you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios right here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast nightly, every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. Do you hear, do you hear uh, uh, Russ Dizdar's show right before ours? What a fantastic show. You know, Russ Dizdar and his team, his SIU investigators, they are doing so much. I, I wish I could. I can't. I can't tell you what they do, but let me just say they are proactive. They're they're going after the people who are um, who are fighting a, a very serious spiritual battle uh, on the side of darkness. And, and I got to tell you, they uh, they're fearless. Well, they're they have the armor of God on, and they go out and they really make a difference. That's Russ Dizdar and uh, his program that, sh- that precedes our program weekly, every night, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. And, of course, folks, we're simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. And, of course, um, you can watch us live on YouTube right here, Living Color. It's, um, and, and don't forget to uh, to tell others about this program. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mr. Nin Pravatera for, uh, for all that he has done for us. Uh, what a great guy. He was the gentleman that was here. In fact, he stood, uh, sat in studio when Jack Cashel was here. So I, I've heard some emails, or I've gotten some emails from him. I, I'm behind on answering those. Um, at any rate, just want to say hello. God bless you. And also to Jack Cashel. Hey, great job. Your book is doing well. And, uh, that's TWA 800, The Crash, The Cover Up and Conspiracy. Um, of course, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm. Joe is off tonight. He uh, had surgery today. Everything went fine. Now you can start calling him Josephine tomorrow. Uh, no, wait a minute. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. Now um, everything went fine. He's doing well. Um, he'll be he'll be back next week. Um, in fact, he might even drop in Friday just to just to uh, uh, meet Coach Dave in with our in studio. Okay. 
So, and, and yes, and I apologize in advance tonight. I, I've got, I don't know, the crud, some sort of crud, uh, 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 or something, but, uh, I woke up at 3.30 this morning. I, I was just cold. I couldn't get warm. Uh, two hours later, I'm sweating bullets, you know, and then, um, uh, so I'm popping like, uh, purple sticks and I'm taking, uh, uh, health management stuff by the pound. Um, I think I've, I've taken a package of, uh, Sudafed and that's just in the last half hour. So we're going to try to get through this. <sighs> what do you think? Well, I, I know we will because the second and third hours, we've got a very special co-host lined up. That's Josh Tully. Josh Tully is a great guy. He's a, a nationally syndicated talk show host, speaker, um, author, great guy. He's going to be joining us. We're really dissecting the world as it is. You know, tonight, I, when I was when I, in my in my hallucinations between the doses of uh, NyQuil, DayQuil, and uh, BetweenQuil, um, I, I was thinking about America. I was thinking about how we here we sit in the United States, and it's a, it's a different world than it than it, it's a different country than it was eight years ago. Obama really fundamentally changed this country, as he said he would. We are lost in a wash in lawlessness. We are lost. We have lost our spiritual and moral framework. We, our, our values, Christian values, our Judeo-Christian values, are under rabid and continuous assault. This is not going to end well. We know ultimately. We know how it ends. We win. Well, Jesus wins. But. There is, excuse me, there is a very bumpy road. I spit all the time. There's a very bumpy road, um, between now and then. And I don't care if you use, uh, pre-trip, I don't care about your, your, your views on the, on the rapture. It doesn't matter. Ask somebody over in the Middle East, you know, if they're, if they're in the tribulation period and, and they'll say, oh yeah, mm-hmm. because they're the other ones getting their heads cut off. And see, this is coming here to America. And, uh, one must ask at this point, what do we do in the face of such lawlessness, extreme lawlessness? What do we do? Obviously, we've got to have our spiritual house in order. We better know who our Lord and Savior is. And I don't talk, you know, I never used to talk like that. And sometimes I don't even feel like I, I no, cause as soon as I say that, I'm, I'm, never mind, I'm, I retract that, Your Honor. Be, simply because it, as soon as I say something like this, my critics will uh, will take that and run with it. Um, but I don't say that. I have never really said we have to get our spiritual lives in order. I've, you know, growing up and in my teens, in my formative years through middle age, I never really as a, I was a guy, and, and I was just a I like to say a normal guy, unsaved, pretty much. Well, not pretty much, just unsaved. Yeah, I went to a seminary and didn't give much thought to salvation. I knew there was a heaven and a hell. I understood that. But but see, in the seminary, you weren't taught uh, the Bible. You were taught church history, but you weren't taught the Bible. And that makes a difference. Well, now as I see things unfold... Certain things that uh, I remember my mom saying to me when I was a young young man, they're, they're coming to fruition. They're coming to pass, and uh, we, we so we we need to we need to make sure 
that we know which side, whose side we're on. And we better make sure that God's on our side as well. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a two-way street. If you're on the side of righteousness and, and you, God will be on your side too. I mean, you've, it can't be out of sync. But I think it's time for, for guys to start talking like that now, taking up the mantle of, uh, of witnessing to others because the time is really getting short. And, and take a look at what's happening all across the world and the end here in the United States. Time is running short. You know, before we get in too far into the program, I'm just so excited because, uh, I gotta tell you, we received, we, we, we have a new sponsor. Oh man. We have a new sponsor. I don't know whether folks, if you've heard about this company before or not, ziprecruiter.com. That's ziprecruiter.com. Do you want a business? Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Well, posting your job in one place isn't enough, especially if you're looking for quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire and you're a business owner and you're looking to hire someone with that just that special talent, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to over, well, to, to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. <laughs> you can find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. Just post once, including, um, or just post watch once to ZipRecruiter.com and watch your qualified candidates roll in. The interface is so easy to use. I tried it out both as, I took this for a ride as an employer and as a prospective job seeker, as a person seeking a job. I wanted to see what this did. I was so surprised. Folks, visit ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Take it for a ride because you can find out why. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. You don't have to juggle emails to your office. You can quickly screen candidates. You can write them. You can hire them. Hire the right person right then and there. And, and right now, folks, our listeners, if you're listening to this broadcast right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. For free! By going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. One more time to try it again for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. What a great website. I, I spent a couple of hours on, on, on that website just looking, again, looking under the hood and saying, what a great match. So if you're a business owner or looking for a job, but a specifically business owners looking for that right talented person, boy, ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. And we'll mention that again later. Now, and also, too, you might ask, well, wait a minute. 
if if the world is going to end, why should we be even looking for jobs? Why should we? Well, I never said that. We never said that. The world's not going to end. The world as we know it, the way of life, the quality of life, what we're doing, that's going to change dramatically under a Babylonian-run Luciferian system. We've seen this. We're seeing this already. It doesn't mean the world's going to blow up and, you know, asteroids are going to... No, no. So we're going to be forced to deal with certain certain really problematic things in the near future. And Josh Tully, at, uh, at the top of the next hour, is going to come on, and, we're, and he's going to talk about how we can identify the problems, work through the problems, and not just survive, but even thrive. Strategies in troubling and trying times very good that's why that's why out of i mean i i, I asked josh if he would um if he would come on and uh, guest or uh, guest co-host because i know and i've heard him speak and he's got a lot of great information of course he's got a radio show as well and uh we'll be talking more about that later folks um what i'd like you to do is to take a look at, if you're listening or watching this if you're watching this um go ahead and uh Go over to KennethFreePress.com and, and take a look at what Judy McLeod wrote, because I, I do believe that this says it all. We talked yesterday about Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton. All right, we talked about Comey. We talked about the fact that she's not going to get prosecuted. Everyone's talking about that. It's just dominating the news headlines. Too big to jail, right? The laws are not for the little people, and we hear about Nancy Pelosi in her shiny black SUV being driven by the Capitol uh, Police being rushed under lights uh, and siren to a shoe store, of all things. To a shoe store. Breaking some local laws. Yes, Nancy Pelosi apparently didn't like, didn't want to sit in traffic and had to, uh, had to break through traffic as the passenger in, in a taxpayer-funded, taxpayer-owned SUV driven by a taxpayer employee, Capitol Police, her protection detail, going to a shoe store. That's just one example of the hubris by these by these politicians. They can break the laws, but don't you dare. Well, that's basically what Judy McLeod, Canada Free Press, CanadaFreePress.com, it, it said too. Yesterday, the FBI guaranteed Obama's third term. Now, think about this. You might, you might say, wait a minute, Obama's not going to run for a third term. Uh, it, no, no, probably not. I mean, he could, I'm sure. And we're going to talk about that. There's some plans that were discovered in, we're going to be talking about that. But, but just think about that same Alinsky school of thought. Writes Judy McLeod, posted today. The only way out of the hell where Alinsky twins, Barry Satoro and Hillary Clinton have abandoned America starts with America, Americans breaking out of the state of denial in which they've been living. How many people are living in the state of denial? It seems like at least the majority. She writes that there was never even a sliver of a chance that the law-breaking Clinton would be indicted for flagrant email felonies. Well, we saw this. This has been a pattern of, of criminal conduct from day one. 
and we were talking about yesterday a, a profile, developing a, a profile, behavioral profile. And I am, I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that her psychological slash behavioral profile would be pretty close to that of someone with a, you know, sociopathic tendencies, by definition, if you look up sociopath. Again, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I'm not someone who can diagnose that, but look at her actions. I don't think, you, I don't think you have to be to take a look at her actions, but the fact that, that she, that she got away scot-free basically and, and got this, this kind of left-handed, uh, witch slap by Comey, it was basically meaningless. Comey's words were meaningless. 2,314 words, and, and, you know, he witch-slapped her, basically. And said, yeah, you did wrong, but, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend, prose- uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend uh, pursuing the uh, prosecution to the Department of Justice because, well, of course you can read it. But, writes Jimmy McLeod that Clinton not only skated free, but is now campaigning for presidency courtesy of American tax dollars, and, and that's right. If you take a look at the image there, she's standing on the uh, on the uh, at, just outside the doorway of uh, the plane with Obama, and uh, Obama's campaigning for her. But more importantly, the, she writes that the soap opera theories that FBI Director Comey was in in reality laying all of Clinton's criminality out there so that he could come along and change his mind sometime in the future. It's bunk. And I agree with that. It's bunk. You hear others say, well, you know, oh, Comey was really smart, man. Uh, he laid some facts out there, and now that kind of gives him an open later on. And look how, or, or that gives, that gives the, uh, setup for Donald Trump. It's all set up for Donald Trump now. Hey, it's, it's like a wink, nod, elbow to Trump by Comey. No, no, no. Those people, including the radio talk show hosts that 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 are peddling that pablum, are 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 not only wishful thinking, uh, they're they're deluded themselves, and I think biblically deluded, because it doesn't work like that. It, personally, if there was evidence, and there was, of criminal activity by Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton then it would have been up to, if it would have been me at the head of the FBI, I would have said, hey, it's going to get ugly. It's going to be, you know, but hey, it's not my problem. Here, here's the criminality. Just because we couldn't find the intent, hey, it's no excuse. We have plenty, and we, you know, you, you hear all these other people talk about the similar cases with much deeper, greater results. Well, let the chips fall where they may, but that's not going to happen. Now, now we've got the uh, the felonies that uh, of Hillary Clinton that Comey detailed, um, just out there and not going anywhere. The message to you and to me and to all of us, to everyday Americans, is that we are owned and we are controlled outright by the circumstances that were studiously planned for us over the decades and even century. Judy says over the last eight years, which it really went into full effect, that we can run. There's no place to hide. 
They're coming after us. They're going to do what they wish, and we can't do a damn thing about it. That's what they want to tell us. But I don't think we have to accept that. Um, Judy writes in closing, bold as brass in unabashed, the absolute proof of their intentions for America's future comes in Obama and Clinton campaigning on Air Force One. The very same day, Comey made his announcement. You don't just take up and hop on Air Force One on a whim. That was planned far in advance. So you know that there was a leak by uh, by the FBI, or there was there was a there was it was it was all pre-planned. Clinton not only skated free, but uh, she's now campaigning using our money to do it. Have you been following the, the hashtags Never Trump on Twitter? We have been following those. The hopelessly gullible, we've been, those people have been guzzling the Kool-Aid that Clinton would be behind bars for months on end. You know, how many times have you heard that? Oh, it's going to be bad. She's going to get it. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, incredibly, it was, uh, how did Sanders react to this, by the way? Incredibly, and even sur- with surrealism, that it was Bernie Sanders surrogates and not conservatives in charge that the system is rigged. It was Donald Trump, yes, but Sanders before that. It was that was in the aftermath of the FBI announcement. How can ask Judy McLeod here? She she asks this: How can these supposedly conservative hypocrites and pseudo-intellects save the Constitution when they outright ignore criminality. And this is what we're, what we're seeing. We're, we are seeing this in the Christian community, and, and this is kind of the focus here. If you're a Christian, we cannot ignore our national responsibility or our responsibility to a nation. This is my view. You don't have to agree with it. I'm not asking, I'm not asking for agreement. If, if you're a minister, a pre- preacher, pastor, whatever, great. But I'm speaking to the people for, as a man, as just a guy. As a Christian, I feel a responsibility to my God, to my family, and to my nation, yes, to make things right. Now, how do I do that? Do you take a bucket of tar and a bag of feathers and pitchforks and what do you do well you've got to do something we've got to do something but here's I can tell you what we don't do we don't cower in a corner and say well, you know I'm a Christian and uh, you know be passive no we have to do something now again more on more on that something as the program unfolds but certainly we can't lie to ourselves that's number one we can't say oh well comey was brilliant laying out giving the strategy to trump oh bs and everything was planned out if you can't see that the whole system is rigged and we're being gamed then then you're either deluded you're psychotic part of the problem or you're original you're 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 actually behind the problem i know a guy here, who just absolutely, uh, any conversation I, I, I might on the off-occasion have with him, 
oh, you, you just don't like Hillary. I mean, there's no there there to the scandals. And no matter what you say to the guy, I mean, and this guy happens to be a homosexual, and he and he was he's a Bernie Sanders supporter, and, and uh, anyway, to have a discussion with him is like talking to you know a rock. Because there is no, really, with somebody like that, there is no intellectual uh, discourse. But to those who do have uh, some wit of intellectual discourse left available to them, and if you are a Christian, especially if you are a Christian, don't we have a responsibility to say, okay, we need to expose these liars, we need to go after them, we need to make things better, not for, not just for ourselves, but for our family members who we are going to leave after we're gone, and we are going to do God's will, the will God has given us, and we are going to right the wrongs where possible. I think that's our responsibility. We're going to play our position. We cannot allow the sabotage of our nation as Christians and be okay with it. We can't do it. How do we do it? We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about that with uh, Josh Tully when he comes on at the top of the hour. One thing that we found, and this is from mid June. This is extremely important. Uh, Shepard Nimbellis is an author. He's on the internet. He wrote, uh, I believe, for Intel Hub. Perhaps I'm not sure which what the website is, but. Operation Summer of Chaos Exposed. Obama Administration Soros Black Lives Matter plan to activate martial law before general election revealed. Okay, now, <clears throat> this was published back in mid-June. I had seen it, and I talked to Dave Hodges about it, and I had talked to other individuals about it. And I understand that there's a level of potential, eh, you know, is, is this disinformation, misinformation? Could it be, like, planted? It could be. But, in this particular article, I find it very interesting because there were some uh, facts that that I was able to confirm. Did you know that 10,000 bought and paid for Black Lives Matters dissidents exist? I mean, the, the Soros-funded, Clinton-funded operations, now with plausible deniability, are bussing in well over 10,000 Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter dissidents into Philadelphia, into the DNC. And, and here's what they are going to do. And, and oh, also, the RNC as well. This was found, written by, again, Shepard and Bellis. This was found when Black Lives Matter leader Derry McKesson had two of his email accounts hacked. McKesson, D. Ray, I guess, would be the correct inflection. McKesson, M. C. K. E. S. S. O. N. He had two of his email accounts hacked. It would have been uh, the week prior to June 14th, along with his Twitter account, according to reports. And what was found is, and this is really interesting, what was found is that they, uh, the perpetrators successfully hacked into several of, of his accounts after post, uh, posing as, as McKesson to a Verizon wireless technician, tech, tech support operator. Now, I have a problem with that. 
Because as a PI, if you ever attempted to contact someone under pretext, you had all the right information, it's, that's extremely difficult to pose as someone you're not, even with the proper information over a telephone, and be able to convince the other person, the person on the other side of the phone, to, for example, give up your passwords or change your passwords or reroute your information. That's what is, that's what's, was said to have happened. I'm not buying that. I'm not saying the author is wrong. I'm saying that there's another bigger issue at play here. What is being reported is this. At 10.31, an individual AM, an individual calling Verizon, posing as Mr. McKesson, and uh, uh, they called him and uh, called this um, Verizon, I'm sorry, and convinced a technician to change the unique SIM associated with the activist phone, allowing the hacker or hackers responsible to have his messages rerouted to a different device. Now, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know. In other words, let's just say you're married and you suspect your, your wife or husband of infidelity. You can have, and there are ways to do this and unscrupulous, uh, PIs perhaps, but, uh, to have the text, uh, rerouted to your phone or clone that phone. But, but the account here is, is that somebody called Verizon and convinced them to do that. The culprit then requested the password reset codes for McKesson's Twitter and other internet accounts. Again, I'm not buying that. But, but, I'm not saying it didn't happen. It just didn't happen that way in my, in my view. And, and this is kind of why we didn't really hit hard, hit this hard initially. Now, the, <laughs> this was reported in, in the mainstream media. But they made no mention of the real purpose for the hack, which was to obtain secret information about a George Soros and Obama administration, Obama regime funded plot, sponsored plot to, well, it was dubbed the Summer of Chaos, this plot, dubbed Summer of Chaos, which is aimed at shutting down both conventions, the one in Cleveland and the one in Philadelphia, Democratic and Republican in order to trigger martial law nationwide. Now, you you probably heard bits and pieces and variations of this story. I'm not sure if you heard heard where this came from, okay, or how that originated. And again, when I saw it, I thought, yeah, it's possible in terms of this plan, but the details I mentioned are a little bit suspect. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. In a, in a private message that was allegedly obtained and released by the hackers. A Black Lives Matter activist said that law enforcement officials, hey, they're not going to be ready for the type of crowds that the group will be bringing, which are designed to shut down the conventions and to create disruptions nationwide. The group plans to bring more than 10,000 people to create chaos and havoc July 18th through 21 in both Philadelphia and Cleveland according to the leaked private messages. Now, so I looked at this again and I looked at the alleged individual, uh, the the Twitter account of, of one of the individuals involved, at least in the planning of this. And uh, I, I can't really... You know, I, I, uh, 
Yeah, this you can kind of see this Twitter, this Twitter um, uh, feed here, and you can you can make your own distinction with respect to how to pronounce the name. But there, I'm holding it up for the cameras for the viewers watching this on YouTube. You can see the Twitter feed. So this is a copy of the Twitter feed. Thank you, Eric writes this individual, I, I want to touch base with you about the Summer of Chaos. So far we have over 2,000 people being bussed in from different cities, another six to 8,000 expected to drive into Cleveland for the convention. And then following that, <clears throat> they will not be ready, meaning the police will not be ready for the type of crowds we are bringing in, and they will blame Trump for it, especially if we shut it down. The GOP will have to replace him at that point, or will, or we will continue to Hang on, I'm going to get the other page here. Or we're going to continue to uh, to riot. They will not be ready for the type of crowds. Again. Or, the G- I'm sorry, the GOP will have to replace him at that point, or we will continue the disruptions nationwide. In the conversation... Another person pipes in. I'll pass this info along. Good work, Sam. You never let us down. If so important we stop Trump, he will destroy everything. Or it is, I guess there's a spelling error here. If so important we stop Trump, it should be it is. Thank you, Twitter, and the 140 character uh, uh, intellectual downgrade. All right. He, He will destroy everything we have worked so hard for, and we can't trust Hillary. Isn't that interesting? Now, th- this is the middle of middle of April, or middle. I'm sorry, middle of June. The summer of chaos plan goes all the way up through Obama. Involves Secretary Department Department of Justice Judy Lynch, Judy Lynch, Loretta Lynch, according to additional leaked me- messages, and the. Uh, the tweets that we found and the author had presented and we verified the authenticity writes Haley Croft in, in one of the in, in this thread of, of tweets hashtag BLM leaders hacked uh, they're trying to get martial law to stop the election to stop Trump All right, and then someone else pines in and says this is an interesting DM exchange between DeRay and Netta from last Monday that was pulled from his account. Now, this exchange here, which this Twitter person posted, names Mrs. or names uh, uh, Loretta Lynch, writes this individual, and I'm not. I can verify the authenticity of the tweet, I cannot verify the authenticity of the person writing the tweet. This person writes, have you spoken with Mrs. Lynch recently about the plan for the summer and for fall leading up to the elections? The response was, we spoke two weeks and they want us to start really pushing how racist Trump is now instead of waiting for the others. Um, Okay, so not news, not news, really. It's the, not different tactics, but it offers insight into, well, it validates the fact what Judy McLeod wrote. 
it validates the fact that this these are Arlinsky tactics. The Russians have copies of all of the hacks. Edward Snowden writes recent hack of DeRay and Russian activists by subverting SMS2FA shows even our best systems are still too frail. Verified authentic. But it goes on. And on. And on. The Obama regime in in conjunction with Soros and the BLM movement and the New Black Panthers and the Muslim Brotherhood, the mosques across the United States. Now, this is not what this author is saying. This is what I have received independent of what this author is saying. The mosque leaders all across the United States, they're coordinating. The, the, the Black Lives Matter people are, co- are coordinating with the Muslims. Now, I'm not talking about the Saudi Muslims. I'm talking about the nation, or, um, uh, well, both the Nation of Islam Muslims as well as the Pakistani Muslims um, that had come, that had established uh, Jamaat al-Fruqar groups back in the 1980s and had conducted a lot of bombings back in the 70s and or back in the 80s under the guidance of Sheikh Mubarak Ali Jalani. All right. Now, you'll remember back about ten years ago we had conducted an investigation of Jamaat al Fukra. These are these uh, these Muslim tra- uh, training camps all across the United States. There were thirty-seven of them. They're down to about a dozen, and, and they're paramilitary training. And by the way, the reason they're down is because the members of those camps have been pushed into the urban areas of American cities. So where there was an enclave, these jamats, ideally suited to train Muslims under the tutelage of Sheikh Mubarak Ali Jalani, in case that name rings a bell. He's the guy that Daniel Pearl was on his way to see when he was beheaded in Pakistan. He's the guy that issued a religious statement against me personally in 2006. It's on his website, Muslims of the Americas or the International Quranic Institute. I can't remember which, but it's up there. Um, but there is overlap and there is cooperation between the Muslims, the blacks, Black Lives Matter, and everything is being funded through Soros and the Clinton Foundation, as we talked about yesterday, as I mentioned yesterday. There's a YouTube guy named John Smith, and of course, I don't doubt it's his real name. He released a video containing leaked details of what may be planned or what officials are anticipating to happen by the end of this year, such as sporadic isolated riots and civil disturbances. Uh, Smith, his information, also alludes to the fact that the UN might even get involved on U.S. soil. And, and okay, so that was, now we're talking about information, and you have to go back. And we didn't run with this information right away. We didn't say, oh, look at this. But go back to uh, between June 10th and June 15th, mid-June. We At that time, there was no real news about the U.N. trucks, at least not with in the fashion that they made news recently. Not, now, we're, not, not, now, now U.N. trucks are, are being seen being driven across our roadways. And Glenn Beck, of course, is making fun of those people who point this out. And there's this big back and forth, you know, between 
not back and forth. There's this big, uh, for whatever reason, Glenn Beck has to assail Alex Jones, in, in whose corner I stand completely with on this matter, and uh, and say, wait a minute, this story has legs and it has a certain amount of validity, because the United Nations, well, who owns these trucks? Where are they going? The United Nations denying that they're being shipped over to them as customers, contrary to to what uh, Glenn Beck has said and others. So this YouTuber John Smith is reporting on this. Yeah, anyone can report on anything, but this is all starting to add up now. Dabu 007 reported exactly how the Ray McKesson's accounts were successfully hacked. All right now, again, looking at the um, at the concept, or looking at taking some time and, and deconstructing that particular crime, I'm not so sure that it happened in that fashion. All right, um, but with each passing day, I can tell you that the information that, that doesn't change the information obtained from these accounts, and I do believe the accounts were hacked. I don't believe this was just offered willingly. I, I do believe that they were taken over, but not no, not in the way set. And I do believe that Black Lives Matter and the other individuals, or I should say the other information by the reported individuals, uh, are attempting to cause a national disturbance beginning in Cleveland and Philadelphia and then widening out, broadening out, broadening out afterwards and creating a national police emergency. Now, I have a, I have an issue with martial law because martial law to me it would signify or suggest or not suggest it would, it would be the military on our streets. I'm thinking kind of more of an emergency police action. And uh, if you recall, we had uh, we had a couple of people to comment on this. In fact, the former CIA operative uh, had. Uh, Gene Tatum talked about this as well in a previous program where it's not going to be martial law. It's going to be emergency police powers all across the United States and the the police departments are going to be federalized under federal control. This is what I think is going to happen. Now, can they pull this off uh, up to and through the conventions? I don't know. They certainly can try. And they can certainly work things in geographical areas. It's a lot easier, for example, to control the ingress and egress of individuals and residents and visitors out of New York City, for example, than out of um, Kansas City, Kansas, or some other place in the Midwest, or even L.A. I mean... The so I do see this taking place. I do see geographical emergency police powers being in, enacted, and that's gonna that's gonna bring us the supply disruptions because trucks won't be moving, and you're not gonna get food, and they can control a lot of people through controlling the food, which is what we talked about. This plays right into what we've been talking about. This verifies. Is this consistent with everything we know? Absolutely consistent. So. Summer of chaos about to start. Very critical, I believe, and an extremely important insight into what's about to take place. And so what is the American, the average American's reaction to that? You'll notice last month 
the FBI figures have shown that (laughs) June is the 14th consecutive month of record background checks for gun sales. These are the gun sales that we know about. The previous FBI record for June set back in the previous June was 1,529,000. The number of background checks in June 2016 was half a million over that, 2 million, 2.1 million. It's a lot. Now, according to the, the figures here, that means that June 2016 saw more background checks than any June since background checks began in 98. The, uh, if you look at the months, May 2016 to May 2015, April to April, if you, if you just kind of look at those, you'll see an increase every month. Of course, Obama, the best gun salesman in America, and the best ammunition salesman in America. What these numbers mean, on average, well, on June 27th, Breitbart News used FBI figures to to show that the number of background checks conducted during Obama's reign is so high that it averages out to nearly 52,000 a day. That means an average of 52,000 people go to a retail store to buy a gun or guns or more guns. Do you think that there's something being set up? Do you think that days of chaos are ahead of us? There are questions that we're looking at. We're following the, the different strains of um, of social media communications, which are being censored, by the way. And we're seeing that there is this thrust toward violence. Violence is being promoted on social media. But yet, you talk against Islam, you talk against Obama... You talk against abortion rights, and I realize that's not a real thing. You're going to get censored. Have you heard of the website Counter Jihad? A video produced by Counter Jihad. Critical of the Muslim Brotherhood, Jihad, and Sharia law. You know this? It was removed from YouTube Tuesday due to the company's, quote, hate speech regulation. Now, this is this is exactly where I I want to kind of close out this hour with you. Trust me when I tell you, there will be a point in time when YouTube will tell us, no, you cannot talk about Islam, about Muslims, about Islam being a cult. You cannot espouse anti-Sharia sentiment because it violates our terms of service. It qualifies as hate speech. You see, this is exactly what they've been doing to us for the last eight years and longer. And even during the Bush administration. The video in question, in this case, titled Killing for a Cause, Sharia Law and Civilization Jihad, was uploaded to YouTube the previous Thursday, somebody had complained, and uh, that's a UPS guy, Lady of the Studio Dogs, right here. Thank you. All right, go, go get them, Lady. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing we get deliveries right about this time every every night. Anyway, um, Sharia 
Killing for a Cause, Sharia Law and Civilization Jihad, uploaded uh, to YouTube last Thursday. And uh, this is basically what YouTube is saying is this violates our policy because hate speech hate speech refers to the content that promotes violence or hatred against individuals or groups based on certain attributes. And th- these attributes include religion. All right. Now, there's an algorithm that they use and metrics that they use that do not include Christianity or Judaism, but certainly include Islam and Muslim, Sharia, and all of the words associated with that. So if you are critical of those uh, those attributes, then you are kicked off. Now, we have been found in violation a couple of times, or not violation, but uh, uh, we have been notified that we were uh, outside of their terms of service, and I guess that would be a violation. And uh, we were warned, and I don't know how many warnings you can have, but the the whole content of that warning was because we were talking about is I was talking about Islam being a cult by by definition, and radical Islam is an oxymoron. It is just Islam. Um, at any rate. YouTube had taken notice, but not from, and, and this is interesting too, because it wasn't from the usual suspects, perhaps. Now, they're not never going to tell you, but through some other variations, I looked at this, and, the, and, and Joe and others have looked at this, and there's actually somebody on our own side. Yeah. Uh, fi- vi- uh, filing a, a, uh, t- a terms of service violation. So if you if you think for if you think that that's <laughs> you're going to be fighting off enemies outside just outside of your circle, you're wrong. You're going to be fighting enemies within your circle as well. Sleepers, and I don't mean you know killer sleepers. I mean you know the uh, treasonous traitors sleepers. So this is coming to a channel near you very soon. Now, what do we do about this? We host it on our own server and the story. Well, well, wait a minute. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah. But the bandwidth is just excessively, it'd be unbelievable. But we'll get through that. I fully expect this to happen. I, I'm, I'm not hoping for it, but I expect it. So we'll have to make other arrangements because as this program grows and as people get, get woken up, yeah, we're going to be able to uh, to uh, wake more people up. But this is this is how censorship doesn't have to be overt in terms of you know um, uh, this is censorship. This is censorship in I mean pure censorship, perhaps of the worst kind. And that is what we're going to see happen, really, in the, and I believe in the next, uh, oh, between now and the end of the, at the end of the year, and perhaps between now and the end of the conventions. We already know that Google, Facebook, and other social media sites are using keywords to, uh, manipulate trends. Social networking trends, they're telling you what's popular as opposed to what really is popular. A form of censorship, indeed. 
Next hour, we're going to be bringing on Josh Tolley. What a great guy. Josh Tolley, uh, folks, he, he, he's an author, national syndicated radio host. There's a program every morning from 10 to noon. Radio TV program. He's a speaker. He's been on, he's been on all the channels from television stations from Fox to, to ABC, CBS and others. He's going to be co-hosting. We're going to be discussing what we need to do in the days of chaos because we have to develop a strategy, not just to survive, but to thrive. To, not just to survive, but to make it through to the other side to protect not only ourselves, but those we love. Before he comes on, I just want to ask you, if you're a business owner out there, are you hiring? Do you have any plans to hire? Do you know where to post your job? And to find the best candidates? Do you want to find the best person for your job that you've got open? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. Now, if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. All of them. And now you can. I'm so proud to announce the fact that our, we've got a new sponsor, ZipRecruiter.com. Now you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, with a single click, just a single click of a mouse. You can find candidates in any city. Are you looking for someone in Los Angeles? Are you looking for someone in, in oh, I don't know, Pittsburgh? In any city. Any industry, nationwide, the search criteria, you can filter by search criteria. It's just fantastic. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to Zip Recruiter's easy-to-use interface. And I spent a lot of time on ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. I spent a lot of time there. And I tested I took it for a test drive in both both as as an employee and employer. It was great. It was easy. It was, it was absolutely easy. Now with ZipRecruiter.com, again, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites. You can find candidates anywhere in any industry. Their interface, easy to use. No juggling emails. And man, the last thing, if you are in, if you're in human resources or personnel, or if you're just a one man, two man, small operation, and you you post for a job, you're likely juggling emails or calls your office. Well, you can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire just the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. One more time. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Gonna be right back, folks. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
Clinton, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. sure my buttons are pushed there people are pushing my buttons uh, welcome back folks to this hour of the hagman and hagman report one hagman well half a hagman maybe i suppose <clears throat> right now at the helm uh joe for those joining us at this hour his surgery went well he'll be back next week um and i, and I was kidding around so please don't send me emails so i said yeah it's not gonna be josephine no 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 and somebody said well that's pretty mean somebody wrote me how mean can you be of course you know joe's listening i believe so i want to say get better buddy all right so he'll be back uh next week and uh but but in his stead we have a, a, an awesome guy i met josh tolly in uh, dallas and uh Josh Tully of joshtully.com is a nationally syndicated speaker. He's an author. He is a life coach. I, I guess I would say life coach. Now, I, you know what? That's my term, okay, for, for him. Um, and I, I, I've gone to joshtully.com, T-O-L-L-E-Y, and I watch his and listen to his radio broadcast. In fact, um, Josh, when you click on, if you go to joshtolley.com and click on that, uh, he writes, you know, whether you're starting a, uh, a business, running an organization, trying to grow a church, or just get the most out of life, Josh Tolly has something for you. Our guest does have something for everybody, and you can find out why millions of people around the world have turned to him, our co-host tonight, for advice on all areas of life. He's a, just an absolutely successful guy, Um a wonderful man. Meeting him in person was was just humbling for me. I mean, my goodness, uh, and, and just talking with him. I, I mean, it, it's awful difficult to be downbeat or to feel sorry for yourself or to think you can't do something when you're talking to Josh Tully. With Josh Tully, you can, you can change the world. He's the author of one of my favorite books that, even though it's one of my favorite, it's hard to pronounce for me. And I'm going to say it's because of my congestion today. Evangelopreneur. Get it on uh, Amazon.com where it's got a solid five star rating. All right, it's become clear that we're living in a, living a lie, and, and, it, and it's been the, that lie has brought devastating results. Bankruptcy among churchgoers is high. And financial misconduct is destroying our marriages, our families, and so on. Record number of churches are in foreclosure. The church teaches us it's normal, and, and think about this: it's normal to have car loans, student loans, and all this mortgages. No, it's not. It's not normal. Go back to the Bible. Listen to what uh, Josh has got to say as well. Uh, his book, Evangelpreneur, 
Again, I, I screwed up the title, but it's E V A N G E L P R E N E U R. And go to Amazon.com. If you don't have a copy, definitely order it today. You won't be sorry. A lot of great stuff in there. Josh, thanks for bailing me out, coming on, and being my co host for the next, well, the next 118 minutes. <laughs> well, it is an honor to be with you, and fear not. Half a Hagman is worth two Becks and four Hannities easily, so <laughs> you're doing a great job, <laughs> even under the weather. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know it's, what? Somebody, it's funny. It's oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, no. I th- thank you for. And I talked to Josh earlier today. I just want to tell our listeners, and you know, I, I caught myself saying, "Oh man, I'm just not feeling good." And I thought to myself, "No, wrong guy to say that to." I, I'm feeling great, <laughs> and, and th- that's not mind. You know, that, that's not a mind game. That's just a confession of positive. Uh, you know, making a positive confession, that's basically. Right. So anyway, go ahead, Josh. Well, I was just saying, I I, I had the honor. Of- meeting you and Joe in uh, Dallas too and I got to tell you folks it's one of those things where you're always kind of nervous to meet people who I guess are celebrities right and uh, unfortunately I've had the honor to do that with a lot of people and a lot of people let you down however with the Hagmans it is exactly what you think it's going to be who they are on air is exactly who they are in person the big heart the, uh, the friendship the fellowship the wisdom it's just, it's just all there. So it was a, it was a pleasure to meet you guys as well. But yeah, I, I hear you have a pretty good show going already. Well, and you've it been hitting on who some you hot ask, topics right? too. Yeah, yeah. Let's carry it through. <laughs> let's carry it through. Because man, what did you think? I kind of know what you th- thought and talked about. But what did you think about yesterday and about what we saw with Comey, Lynch, and Hillary? Yeah. And, and we talked about this before, but late on us. You know, I think, I think what happened yesterday is the veil was lifted for millions of other people. I think for a long time what has been happening is there have been consumers of alternative media who have been saying to their friends and family, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. And your friends and family are like, oh, no, it's not. You know, you're just a conspiracy theorist. I prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is a game here and we are just pawns. I mean, for goodness sakes, he went on television, Director Comey, he went on television and said, yes, she broke the law at least over 110 times. So then he goes on to say, yeah, well, but no prosecutor would, you know, blah, 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 blah. It is insane to me to think that the FBI spent millions of our dollars thousands of man hours investigating this crime. Three to four weeks ago they said that they were ready to indict and then Slick Bill goes and meets with Loretta Lynch on an airport somewhere and just as a quick tangent, folks, that is why you have to appreciate local and alternative media. If it wasn't for that local affiliate nobody would have known that meeting happened. And, you know, we, we have a tendency to blame all big media, Fox, ABC, CBS. And from a national standpoint, you're absolutely right. I've talked to Dan Rather. He said, gosh, every day of my 35-year career, it was absolutely controlled news. But at a local level, it's a little bit different. Local stations are owned usually by local people. And if it wasn't for that reporter and that news guy, nobody would have seen what happened. But because they did, because it was out there, it kind of set the framework that everybody, Democrats included, everybody, yesterday's press conference and shook their head and said, what? 
Are you kidding me? You admit she lied under under testimony. Must be a family thing. Bill did the same thing. You admit that she did this knowingly, and then off the hook. And I think, to be honest, it's a great eye-opener for most Americans. And at the same time, if you're Donald Trump, I would add an extra round of security because beyond the shadow of a doubt, you see that they're coming. It doesn't matter what happens. They're going to rig the system to make it happen. And to be quite frank, I'd fear for my life at this point. That's my take anyway. You, you said a mouthful, and, and, I, and I totally agree. I don't think, Josh, I, I don't know um, how they're going to do this with, with any degree of precision, but I, but I do believe if the system is so overtly rigged like we saw uh, with the criminal charges, and the obvious criminal charges, or the obvious criminal activity, criminal conduct. And I say obvious because, to me, it is. Now, maybe people might disagree with that, but at least, the, to me, the perception. Well, hey, Comey said there was criminal activity. Just the intent was questionable. Uh, 2,314 words, all right, worth of, yeah, she did wrong, but I'm not going to bring, I'm not, not going to uh, you know, recommend this to the justice to... The file charges, and Eric just told me that there's a there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, attorneys general that would take on the this case, and I yeah. I didn't hear that. Interesting, but but this is so overt that yeah, you know I don't know how they're going to do it, but I can't I don't I don't know. Do, do you see uh, Trump being on the ballot in November? I mean I I know you can't predict, but I mean my goodness. Uh, well, if if he's alive, if he's alive, he'll probably be on the ballot. Because here's here's what we have to remember. There has been testimony now out there for decades that they can rig a vote. And they can rig it so it's, you know, 52-48. And, oh, good try, Donald, you almost made it. And they could rig it. So they don't necessarily have to, you know, throw a coup and keep him off the ballot. Matter of fact, keeping him on the ballot gives the, the smoke screen that nothing nefarious was afoot. So if I was the bad guy, I'd keep on. Now, there's some people saying at the convention they're going to try to throw a rules committee change and all, all that sort of stuff. But if that happens, then I'm telling you Hillary Clinton's the next president. So I would actually be suspicious of any Republican who is out there saying, oh, well, rule change, and then we'll just, we'll just throw Ted Cruz or Mitt Romney or whoever and have them be on, on the ticket. It ain't going to work. It's a handoff to Hillary, and that should scare all of us. And really, what what this does is it should it should warn us and let us know that hey, what Joe, Doug, and Josh were talking about four years ago is actually coming to pass. Because I remember I was sitting in a hotel in North Carolina on your show, and we were talking about how everything is a dance step. And people ask all the time, well, Josh, how do you predict the future so accurately? And it's not really fortune-telling, and it's not a word from God or anything. It's just it's just learning the dance, listening to the music, and then guessing what's next. So, for example, if Hillary does go forward to win, you're going to see the no fly, no buy. But then, I bet you, dollars to donuts, that turns into no fly, no buy. And it, it goes beyond the no fly or whatever. Right, okay, <laughs> so right now if it's no fly, no buy, it's going to turn into no buy, no fly. The opposite, where where they take it one step further and say, okay, anybody who has bought a gun and has registered the weapon retroactively, 
you can no longer fly. They're going to put you on the no-fly list because, after all, you could be a potential terrorist. So now that complete that complete database of everybody who owns a firearm, right, because we're all law-abiding citizens, we all did it the right way, that could easily turn into the list that they put on the no-fly list. And believe it or not, that's actually starting to happen. I had a guy on the show recently who committed no felonies, made no physical threats towards anybody, but just because of his political positions on Facebook, and that's what the FBI told him, they put him on the no-fly list. So we're already starting to see the political persecution, and keep in mind that Donald Trump initially even supported the no-fly nobody. So I guarantee you, no what happens in November, your government is getting bigger. It's a wow. sick, twisted world. Wow. Sick, okay. twisted world. And, and then, and then we see, we see the continuation of this idea that you can't see things like you were saying. You were talking about how you were censored on, on YouTube and Facebook. And there's a quick little libertarian tangent here. Part of the problem is they kind of have the right to do it. As much as I hate it and as much as I fall under the same blade that you guys do, they kind of have the right to do it because technically it's private property. Facebook is private. YouTube is private. And we love to think as the Internet as a public square. But in right. reality, it's not. Those websites are owned by people just like, like if, if you own your website and somebody posts something on there that you didn't like, you take it down. So we have to realize that it's it's a larger issue of, you know, is Facebook leaning liberal? What it really is is there is now a big enough momentum to make liberty-loving, conservative, Christian, family-oriented points of view the taboo, which means they no longer have to even legislate it. Because think about this. When my dad, and I'm sure your parents were the same way, but when my dad was in school, well, he could take his gun to show and tell. He could take his gun to school, put it in the corner, of the room and then after school go hunting with his friends. But there is nobody at the NRA that would support that today. There's no nobody at Gun Owners of America that would support that. That's right. Yeah, we, we used At the to, same time, there was no legislation that had to come along to make them change their mind. Right. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I disagree with you. I mean, I, I must agree with you here because when I was in high school, there were... Um, uh, this is not the right term, but shooting clubs uh, that actually, yeah, I mean, uh, young men brought their rifles, usually 22 plinkers, you know, that, uh, with them and, and after school activities, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there was, there's, and no one freaked out when somebody, uh, shaped a pop tart into a, into a, a pistol or no one freaked out when somebody drew a gun on a piece of paper. Um, the, right. the sensibilities were a lot more, Normal, I suppose, and and it's just it's just gone really wacky. One thing, if I can back up, Joe, uh, though, uh, for a little bit about Trump. You know what? This the other thing that concerns me, especially when we talk about his um, safety, is his selection of a running mate. Because if if I was Donald Trump, I'd be looking at that very closely. I'd want to select someone. That in the eyes of those people who really hate me and had the capability of taking me out would hate me a lot worse, at least at some level. And that certainly wouldn't be like a Newt Gingrich who's a globalist. It'd be somebody, well, not not him. I don't know who, but not him. 
Um, what do you think about that? I mean, and what do you think? Any any projections as to who he might select based on uh, on what you've seen uh, so far? Well, it depends on if the selection is really up to him or not. See, now that we got through this selection process, we're getting to this point. It's, it's kind of like what Jesse Ventura said. If you remember, Jesse Ventura said the night he was elected, they took him to the basement of the Capitol and said, okay, buddy, you won, but this is how this is going to go. Uh, I have a feeling that, that that conversation is happening with Donald. So they're getting to the point where they're saying, okay, obviously we can't take this away. Way or there's going to be riots in the streets. So we're going to let you uh, put your name on the ballot, but you're going to have to take one of our guys with you. And that's what I'm afraid of. Because if, if that's the reality, then the truth is it's just becoming a globalist government, period. And we also have to remember, we also have to remember, even if you uh, think you're going to elect Donald Trump, because I know Donald's getting a lot of support, that doesn't actually change anything. A great example of that is Paul Ryan. So uh, a week and a half or two weeks ago, you had the Democrats who staged a sit-in. And their whole idea was, we're going to stage this sit-in, and we're going to have uh, Paul Ryan call a vote on gun control. And Paul Ryan came out and said, nope, it's never going to happen. We're not going to allow it to happen. I'm not going to be swayed. Well, guess what? In less than a week, he was swayed. So this week, they're going to vote on that measure, and there's no fanfare or media coverage at all. So we have to realize that the president, even if it's a great guy, Ron Paul or whoever, even if it's a great guy, he only has so much room to navigate in a system that is so fortified, so old, and so built up that it doesn't actually matter. They could have the best guy in the White House and still control the entire machine. And and that's what we're seeing. And I think yesterday was great proof of that. I mean, here are people who were swore Born to protect the country, who we always thought, okay, well, maybe the politicians are corrupt, but we still have good people in law enforcement, right? No! No! We have the same system from top to bottom, tip to tail, and it's going even local. That's what Agenda 21 is. That's what Agenda 2030 is. It's to get that same thing that we witnessed yesterday with Hillary Clinton, get that same thing implemented in your state, in your county, and in your town. And that's should motivate all of us to say, okay, what do we need to do to survive and thrive, like you kind of led into this segment with? What do we do to say to the government, well, you know what? We don't need you. And unfortunately, at this point, Doug, the mass majority of the population is unaware of the situation they're in. B, they're content being livestock. They're content. I've heard so many people say, oh, well, what Hillary did was not that big of a deal. Holy cow, I'm not a Nixon fan, but let's just draw some comparison here. When Nixon deleted 17 minutes of tape, we had reporters in parking lots with wires on them. We had journalists on rooftops with telephoto lenses. Hillary does this, and everybody's like, uh, what? She did what? Because the general population doesn't care. And as much as we... We want to blame, you know, the, the global elite, and yes, they are to blame. But as much as we want to blame them, we also have to ask ourselves, are we doing anything to change it? Even from a consumption of media standpoint. Because when our average attention span is shorter than a goldfish, and I'm 
not making that up. That's a serious finding, 2015. When our attention span is shorter than a goldfish, when six out of ten adults share a story on social media just based on the headline, when most stories now on the Internet, if you notice, they only go a paragraph in, and then you actually have to click to read more because they know nobody's going to read more. Well, then it's our fault for not really wanting the details, for not wanting to commit to gain knowledge and wisdom. So in, in an instant wisdom sort of world, in an instant knowledge sort of world, the bad guy can do any razzle-dazzle and get us all confused and confuddled, which is exactly what's happening. If we rewound it even 40, 50 years, yesterday wouldn't have flown. You'd have Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, yeah, everybody, everybody. But he'd be blowing up the phones at the White House. They'd be blowing up the phones at the FBI. What happened today? Us. Some people tweeted about it, so maybe that's cool, but that's it. So what do we do? I mean, I, I really gave some thought to this, and I'm thinking, okay, aside from shouting from the rooftops of the show, writing about it, talking to everyone I can, and, yes, even um, making my uh, unpleasantries known to the... Uh, or dissatisfaction known to the FBI. Um, what can we do? What can we do? Or is it too late? Or or, or do, do we have to? Or is that the wrong question? Well, here's the thing: too late. As long as there's breath in our lungs, it's never too late. We cannot discount a miracle. We can't discount elements of of a, a plan that we don't know. We cannot discount. Outside foreign aid, so it's never too late. It's to we have to realize where we are. Yeah, I have this lady who continually calls into my show, and she she says, "Well, Josh, all we have to do is remind them that the Constitution was written to protect us. That's all you have to do." And I remind this lady, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter. When a cop shows up at your door and you say, well, the Constitution says, does he say, oh, you are totally right, my bad, okay, I'm out of here? No. I saw a video yesterday of a kid who's walking down the sidewalk with earphones in his ears, and then the cop shoots him, murders him in the back because he didn't hear him. Well, can I whip out the Constitution and say the Constitution says the Constitution says? No. So we have to realize that the Constitution has now become the equivalent of the no guns allowed sign. We love to point to it, hang it up in dealing with criminals, and criminals don't care what's written on paper. So that's that's the first step. We have to realize where we're at. And where we're at is not in a constitutional republic. Now that's where we want to be. That's what we love to to pretend we're celebrating on 4th of July, all that sort of stuff. Where we're at is we're at a position where if you look at the, the Bill of Rights, ten or nine out of the ten of them have already been infringed. And I talked to a constitutional scholar about that, and I said, okay, look, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a genius, I, I am not a supreme pretending to be. But I am a fairly logical guy, and as a businessman, I've been in a lot of contracts. The Bill of Rights is basically our contract, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing that defines the country. And he said, yes. And I said, well, if nine points of a contract out of ten no longer exist, let's say I sign a book deal, and there are nine, or there are ten points on this contract, and nine of them don't exist anymore, and nine of them have been violated and infringed, do I still have a valid contract? And I said, sir, what I'm asking you is if we've lost nine out 
of the ten, does America actually still exist? And there was this dead silent pause, and he said that I've never thought about that, followed by another dead silent pause. And you could tell something was up. I mean, it was so silent, the alarm goes off. And in, in radio, there's an alarm that goes off if you lose audio. And he comes back on and he says, you know what? I think you're right. I think I think legally, America no longer exists. And it was almost like I shot his dog or peed in his Cheerios or something, because he never bothered to realize where we actually are. So it's not that hope is lost. What we have to do then is redefine what do we have hope in. Why was a flag our hope? See, the flag wasn't supposed to be our hope. The flag was supposed to represent the hope that we lived out. The government was not supposed to be our hope. The government and the republic for which it stood was supposed to be our hope realized. And somewhere along the line, we messed up. Somewhere along the line, we turned government into God. We turned the flag into an icon. So once those two things fall, we think we're falling in the process. But the reality is that a fall of a civilization never works that way. If we back and we look at Italy, Rome. When the Roman Empire fell, did everybody who's Italian just keel over and die? No. As a matter of fact, for the farmer on the field, life actually got better because you no longer had the Roman legions coming through your field every summer to glean it, and you're left with whatever you could hide under your, your pillow. So in a very real sense, it's not even necessarily a bad thing. So, do I have hope? Yes. I have hope that people are going to once again realize there are things we can do as opposed to waiting for things that are done to us. It's alarming to me how many adults who are capable of tying their shoes come into this world and think to themselves, well, I just need to, to get a job and, and the government will take care of the rest. It's not supposed to work that way. We need to say what is important to us, what value values are important to us. For goodness sakes, look at the founding fathers. They even started states based on what sort of religion or or group that they were part of. Well, you don't see that anymore. With rare exception, do you see, you know, lined, politically or religiously or ethnically lined whatever societies? And instead, what they've taught you is they've taught you that that's actually bad. They've taught you that it's it's Racist or bigoted or xenophobic or Islamophobic or some sort of phobic. But in reality, if you look at the Middle East and you ask yourself, why did Russia go bankrupt trying to win here? Why has America essentially gone bankrupt trying to win here? It's because the Middle East is still a tribal-based people. And tribal-based people have the ability to, without government intervention, resist government imperialism. But when we live in a, a society where every one of our paychecks actually has on it Federal Reserve tax or FICA or whatever, and every one of our, our homes are you know inspected by the, the city inspector, when we realize how much of our life ceases to exist if government ceases, ceases to exist, we have a shock just like we had yesterday with Hillary. We're sitting there thinking, oh, wait a second, the world isn't what I thought it was. And to be honest, that's a good thing.
Josh, I, I'm not sure if we lost it there. It, it suddenly no, kind of. No, no, no. I okay. Hear. Okay. No, you, you just kind of went, it, it really cracked up there at the end, and then all of a sudden, like, we only hear, like, every other word, and then bang, it just stopped. So I want to make sure. What? Yeah. Well, then I can try a different device to connect if we have to. If you can. I can try a different device, great. but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I can, I can hold. The, okay, I can hold the fort down until we reconnect, uh, Todd. If that's all right, and yeah, we okay, can do this. Okay, let's do that. Yep. All right, brother. All right. Okay. Uh, our co-host tonight, Josh Tully from joshtully.com, making a lot of sense, isn't he? Making a lot of sense, and telling us the obvious. Now, what do we do? See, that's the thing. What do we do? And, and there are many people, I can, I can hear the Christians out there saying, well, we turn the other cheek. And I don't think that's the, uh, we turn the other cheek for the transgressions against us. No. Or we are not to be of this world so we don't fight. No, I don't think that's the, the right answer either. But, but, and I think even to be more indict, indicting to those Christians, I would say that attitude is how we arrived here at the first place. Because when, for example, abortion was made the law of the land, in quotation marks, and of course it's not, judicial supremacy is a lie, and Christians accepted it, well, oh well, you know, it's not a law. No, it's not. There was nothing done. There was a great passiveness. Okay, this is how we got here in the first place. That's my view, being passive not active prayer out of public school out of schools ten commandments out of the parks um hey you're a baker and and uh you're gonna bake a cake for a homosexual sodomite couple no we're not then we're gonna sue you so what i don't care and you know what no one else coming or very few coming to their aid and saying hey you do that to him or that them you're doing it to me because none of this is about equal rights. In, in the case of uh, of homosexuals, homosexual uh, unions, it's not about equal rights. It's about perverting God given. Our, our, it's, it's about perverting the God given uh, the, the the family, the the biblical definition of the family. And isn't it interesting how? Um, let me think about think, think about the homosexuality aspect of things. If we adhere to that and say, well, that's great, where is, where are the progeny going to come from, from these unions? You still need a, a, a male and a female plumbing fixture, correct? I do believe. I don't know, we have Josh back? All right, Josh is back. And, uh, Josh, can you I am you back, hear, huh? yes. I'm trying to, wow. uh, get it so I can, I can hear you better, so that's what I'm working on at the moment. All right. Well, you, you're coming in loud and clear, and right. I can talk louder, you know, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and to, to those people who send us emails, look, we understand that I'm the only one here behind the camera, and Eric's the only one behind the, or in, or in, I'm sorry, in front of the camera, Eric's the only one behind the camera, so we're working on that. And, uh, uh, interesting, uh, Josh, and I'm going to lead off with this, and, and uh, this from Anne, she writes this, You know, y'all preach doom and gloom. And your guest says there is no hope for the U.S. Now, it, man, I, I don't know if that's exactly what you said specifically, but anyway. So we might as well give up, she writes. They cannot, 
ever give you a way to make things better. We would be glad to try if we had a leader who would give us instructions on what to do. That's why Donald Trump is so popular. He gives hope. We are not stupid people. And I agree with her on, on that last statement. We're not stupid people. Listener to this program and the smartest audience is your, your audience too. The smartest audience and the uh, smartest people in the land. But, um, I guess that's why Trump is so popular because there is hope. There is that catchphrase to make America great again. What about the accusation that, you know, doom and gloom? Hey, there's no hope for the U.S. How do you handle that? Well, no. Looks like we have a connection problem still. All right. Well, you know, as we're waiting for uh, Josh, and we apologize, the technical issues, technical problems. I mean, we're not running a, a, a you know, tin can string operation here as we once were. No, we're not running that kind of operation. We're running a very, and, and the equipment Josh is using, uh, Mr. Tully's using, very state-of-the-art. Our equipment state-of-the-art, so it shouldn't be happening. And, and, you know, sometimes I wonder, when we have situations like this, you know what's what's what is causing it? What is you know what's 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 the what's the origin of this? Could we be being played with? In fact, indeed, we could. Josh, if you're with me, you can jump in at any time, both feet. Uh, yeah, okay. I was just looking at the screen prompt there. Apparently, there is an issue on Josh's end, and, and I apologize. We apologize. We're going to get him back. Um, and another listener writes, you know, what do we do? Who do we listen to? Yeah, we get that. We get that. And I think, if I, and I'm not going to speak for, for Josh. Hey Josh, but, okay. if you can hear. Go ahead, Todd. Or not. Okay. Yeah. Todd, the engineer, first time on air. How do you like that? Um, it, you know, again, I'm not going to speak for, for, for Josh, but looking at this, um, boy, that really threw me. Now, where was I going with that? Um, bottom line here, we 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 cannot again. The conversation must be redirected into uh, the, uh, the. We must we must act. Well, how do we act? What do we need to do? Well, we, we need must... to start being tribal. That's what. We there you do. go. Okay, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Go ahead. See ya. And, and, and folks, I, I apologize for the uh, the technical snafu. You know what's interesting. And I, I've said this before. Whenever I appear on your show, something funky weird happens. And it doesn't happen when I'm on any other show. It is just you. And I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit beyond suspicious about that. But without giving too much credit to the enemy, what we have to do, Doug, is we have to start getting tribal. We have to start saying to ourselves, okay, what can we, we do with our time? What can we do with our... our uh, our resources. And here's here's where you have to start. You have to start by saying what's actually important to you. So many of us, and it's none of our faults, it's just the way we've been raised. So many of us have just been living in a world where we are like sheep. We just get herded. You go to school, you go to college, you get a, a job, you pay the bills, you get a wife, you have some kids, and then you die, and then that's just what it is. And then we complain about life along the way. Oh, the government this, the government that. And what we have to do instead is we have to start by asking ourselves, what do we actually want to live for? 
Because if you don't have anything to live for, then what do you have to die for? And vice versa, if you don't have anything to die for, what do you have to live for? Most of us have never asked ourselves, what are we actually trying to get? Like, for example, let's say you wanted to live in a community that kept the Bible, and it... Uh, it, it, it lived according to the Bible as opposed to according to the government. So what is stopping you from creating such a community? What is stopping you from saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we are going to live the way we want to live. And if you think it's impossible, look at how successful the Muslims have been. And I'm serious. Because the, the Muslims, they live in the same America that you do. They have the same government restraints. They have the same taxes, they have the same money, the same streets, the same water, but they have been able to come into a system that they don't agree with, set up their own system inside the parent system, and then successfully curate their own communities, raise their children how they want them raised, and you and I might totally disagree with it, but we cannot deny that they have been successful. And they've been successful in the exact same community that we keep uh, complaining about, saying, oh, we can't do anything, all hope's lost, what do we do? We do what they did. And, and, and what they did was they lived on intention, they lived on purpose. Why do you even live in the city you live in? Why do you live on the street you live in? Why do you have the job you have? Did you answer an ad on Craigslist? Like, is that it? Or did you live on purpose? See, what Muslims and foreigners do is they'll come into America and they'll say, okay, well, I want to create a community of like-minded people. So I'm going to move to Dearborn, Michigan, a smaller part of town, and I'm going to start a business, and then I'm going to hire my cousin and my uncle and my nephew, and then I'm, I'm going to have my... My second cousin started a business next door, and then he's going to run that, and then we're going to import our niece and my other aunt, and then they're going to run that. And they live with a goal and an objective to say, okay, this is going to be our block. And then they say, well, this is going to be our street. And then before you know it, this is going to be our town. And they get so successful at it that even the police, who we rightfully point out, are part of a police state, even the police say to themselves, okay, this is beyond us, we can't do this, this is a no-go zone even for us. So in a very real way, because they live with intention and purpose, they're even destroying the very new world order that we complain about who's destroying us. So we have to start there. But I would bet you dollars to donuts that most of us will hear a show like this and then say, well, wow, that was pretty cool information, but uh, uh, that's it. Okay, cool. What's what's on TV, honey? But that's not what anybody else does. That's not what the Founding Fathers would have done. That's not what the Muslims do. The Muslims say, okay, now that the day is over, uh, we're going to meet with other like-minded people. We're actually going to meet with them, not tweet them, not Facebook message them. We're going to meet them in person because that's killing us too, folks. When we, when we think we're being social because we're on social media, ask yourself, when is the last time you had a two-hour conversation in person with somebody other than somebody who lives in your home that wasn't work-related? Exactly my point. We have become so good at being social on social media 
that I don't care how well you're prepped, I don't care how much water you have, how much ammo you have, how much food storage you have, we have become so inept at dealing with the world around us that if, heaven forbid, something really were to happen, we would become our own worst enemy. I mean, for goodness sakes, you might know 5,000 people on social media and you might share 12 tweets a day thinking you're some sort of uh, keyboard patriot or something, but do you know the person who lives to the left and to the right of you? You might know everything about Donald Trump, but do you know who in your neighborhood is a nurse or who in your neighborhood is a ham radio operator? So before we start talking about how do we take on a global elite, how do we take on our block? How about we start there and say, hey, let's at least create something with purpose, and we can do it. The guy who founded Domino's Pizza actually did this in uh, Florida. He said, you know what, I'm going to sell Domino's, made a bazillion, gazillion dollars, and said, I want to live with Catholic people. I want a community of Catholics. I am sick and tired of everybody else. So that's exactly what he did. He has a school, mall, town square, houses, and everybody's Catholic. There's nothing stopping us from doing that. Other than, well, i got to go to work tomorrow, so so maybe someday when when the old lady and I retire, we'll, we'll retire to one of those patriot communities in Belize. Stop it! Live your daily life with purpose. I remember a, a mentor of mine said, Josh, the definition of hell is when you die meeting the person you could have been. And I thought to myself, wow. can you imagine? Imagine getting to heaven and then God introduces you to the you that you could have been? That's hell to me. But yet, that's where we're at, Doug. We're all going to say, yep, that was a great show, and, and Doug and Josh, they did a great job, and we sure miss Joe, but, well, you know, we, we can still catch the last uh, part of Big Brother, honey, so pop some popcorn. You know, I am so glad you're talking like this, because this gives us, I mean, I am listening as a listener would as well, because I, I'm looking for direction, and I know that we've been given, Joe and I have been given, and Eric and, and JD and everyone a part of this organization, we've been given an awesome responsibility, and, and even yourself, uh, through your venues and platforms. We've been given an awesome responsibility. We better, uh, we, we, we better be proactive. And, and you're right. What do we do? Let's start because I, you know, it's just that simple. Let's go around, um, uh, to our neighbors, introduce ourselves. And I guess too, we have to use an element of caution at at, at that point, right? Um, I mean, we have to do this. Well, we have to do this sensibly, I suppose. Well, we do, we do. But first, we have to figure out what are we living for. Period. I mean, you know, when we met at Hear the Watchmen, I love the Hear the Watchmen events. And again, people can come to the one in um, Knoxville. Right, but, that's in September. Right, September thirtieth. Right. Yep. Go ahead. But you have to go beyond that and say, okay, well, now I met a bunch of people who seem to have my sort of uh, bent on life. What can we actually do with that? And Jesus actually tells us. I mean, look at look at the people who bury their talents. Right. What happens to those people? Not mm. only do they they lose them, but they get punished. Well, we have to ask ourselves: Are we those people? 
Are we the people who were given the talents, which was a land that was full of resources, full of opportunity, and then we wasted it? And then we said, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I mean, when things got tough, I just decided to vote for the guy who could do it for me. And that's really what we've turned our, our country into. We are all concentrating on who can we vote to do this job for us. And the reality is, Doug, that we live in a world where the candidates are the result of the culture. You know, we love to say, well, this person's not good, that person's not good. Well, what society were they raised in? The one we created. So, so <laughs> if, if, if you don't like Hillary Clinton, what society was a four-year-old Hillary raised in? Well, she was Good raised point. in a society that got away from God, that got away from family values, that instituted free love and free sex, that instituted don't worry about anything, it's somebody else's problem. And then guess what? She grew up and became a candidate wanting the exact same things. So who's to blame? Hillary who wants them or the people who were around that taught Hillary that's what she needed to want? And that's, that's really where we're at. And that's why the problem is never going to get fixed until we, the listeners, start to say, okay, what do we want to raise as a next generation? I mean, even when it comes to parenting, we've turned parenting into how do we babysit them until they turn 18? Well, that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say keep them alive until they're old enough to live on their own. It says raise a child in the way he should go. Which means you have to have a predetermined goal for that kid. Anybody who has a garden doesn't just throw some seeds out there and says, well, see what happens. No, you determine what happens. And we have this crazy mindset of, well, Josh, you know, your morals are your morals, my morals are my morals, and I'm going to let my kids decide for themselves. That is stupidity on a stick. That is exactly what the enemy wants. Because if your morals are determined by you, then I'm sorry, but then anything becomes permissible, and then yesterday shouldn't have offended you at all. If, if, if that's your view, then you should look at what happened yesterday and say, oh, well, I wouldn't have done it Hillary's way, but yeah, the, Hillary can have her own morals, and, and totally, yeah, uh, the director, well, that's his morals too, and, and I'm just going to have to accept it. Because if you're saying everybody gets to make up their own morals, then you're basically saying Hillary has a right to do whatever she wants to do. And taking that even further to this idea of, well, we can't tell our children how to act and, and live, and when, you know, I'm just going to let my children make up their own mind once they grow up. How dare you? How dare you? Nobody makes up their own mind. It's going to be programmed by somebody. It's either going to be programmed by friends at school, teachers at school, the television, the radio, magazines, internet sites, or you. You have to pick. But somebody is going to program your child. Nobody just raises themselves and then has an epiphany as to what right and wrong is at 18. So we have to get off of this lazy train we're on and say, I'm going to live on purpose, I'm going to do it on purpose, and I'm going to have a predetermined trajectory. And that way, to, an, uh, to a very real extent, we could say, okay, fine. If there's enough of us and the country does go to hell in a handbasket, then we are going to start a community in the middle of nowhere, Canada, and we're going to start over or something. But I don't know if we have time today, but tomorrow I'll actually go into that. I'll, I'll go into well, oh, what yeah. happens if it falls. What happens if there's a civil war? What happens if, if the system collapses? Because so many people come up to me and tell me, especially now that we seemingly got this audio working, I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, I, I got about I got about six emails asking that very question just since you've been talking about this. So you, you hit it right in the head. Go ahead, sir. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying because so many people, once they realize this, once they realize, hey, wait a second, this could actually come crashing down. Uh, now what? Well, the reality, just to give people a teaser for tomorrow's show, the reality is that if there is a civil war, if there is, and I am not advocating violence, I don't want it to happen, but that's what everybody's afraid of anyway. If that were to happen, we have to realize a few things. One, this is a very large country. It's a very large country. We do not have enough boots to have boots marching down everybody's street. I know alternative media has taught this for years, that the police state and martial law is boots running down your street. Sorry, we don't have the, the, the ability to do that. We we span, what, 3,700 miles one direction, 1,200 miles the other direction. I mean, it's, it's just insane. The logistics behind that is impossible. So you'd have to ask yourself, well, what does, what does civil war or martial law actually look like? Well, great question. It would have to look like an expanded version of what was on the civil war. Cities, capitals, major uh, thoroughfares, and arteries supply. Well, that means if, if you're living, I don't know, there's Soto, Iowa, you're probably never going to see boots on the ground. Because if it's not, a, it's not an objective that they need to hold on to. Which means even under, even under tyranny, if you do this right, there's a window, there's a bubble, if you were, for protection. There's a bubble for society. And see, what really made me think about this, I remember when the world was captivated by shock and awe, right? When, when George Bush said, okay, we're going to level Iraq, we're going to hit him with shock and awe, and everybody sat around eating pizza and watching shock and awe happen on their TV, which was totally despicable. People were dying, and we're all watching it on television. But one of the things that shocked me was early that morning, 6 o'clock in the morning the next day, you have the these reporters on the hotel balcony saying, okay, the, this is whoever uh, from CNN, and, and I'm reporting, and the sun's coming up here, and people are making their way to work. And I thought, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. You mean this, this city literally went through hell? They went through every conspiracy theorist's worst nightmare here in America, and they still had to wake up tomorrow and go to work? Because the reality is that life doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. So you have to take that into consideration when you think, okay, well, what does martial law actually look like? What does civil war actually look like? If you're living in DeSoto, Iowa, well, you're still going to have to feed your family, are you not? You're still going to have to provide shelter, are you not? Even if we got occupied, let's say worst case scenario, against are, are there not people who are living their life and having great marriages in Iraq right now? Are there not people in any nation on the planet who are not experiencing a, a walk with the Lord and, and delight with their children right now? Of course they are. So, you see, we have this, we have this fear that, that paralyzes us. We have this fear that says, well, I cannot have a good life with my children. I cannot have a good life with my wife because of Illuminati or some crazy thing. 
That's ridiculous. We first have to get our life straight. I mean, I, I get this all the time. If if you're if you're suffering and you're going through marriage problems with your wife, that is not Bilderberg's fault. That's your fault for not paying attention to your wife. And I'm going to say something that might irritate a lot of people. And I think, Doug, to a certain extent, we love to blame conspiracies so we don't have to blame ourselves. And I understand, yes, there really is Bilderberg. Yes, there really is secret societies. Yes, there really is all this stuff that people believe in. But we need to ask ourselves, are we leaning so much on the conspiracy that we are using that as an excuse as to why we're not living the life we want to live? Newsflash, if China takes over, you're still not going to make enough. You're not making enough now. If if we win and we overthrow tyranny in the government and we bring back gold and silver, still doesn't change that you're working too many hours and you're not spending time with your kids. And in a weird wow. way, in a very weird way, we are creating the problem which we fear the most. If we were to rebuild the family, rebuild a neighborhood, rebuild a county, then you would start to notice the federal government, the Bilderberg, the Illuminati, New World Order, whatever you want to call it, actually start losing momentum. They start losing ground. See, when we focus on fighting them, they win. Because we're fighting them on the battlefield that they designed. But when we instead go back to the battlefield that our God designed, which is his kingdom, which is what? Marriage, family, kids, entrepreneurship. Well, that's where God can bless us. Because that's his weapons. So when we focus on those things, we get the blessings of those things, which allow us to create a culture of those things, which allow us to create an army of those things, which is exactly how we got free in the first place. So, anyway. So, talk, talk about some basic teaching, and that's true. You know, we, we complain because we're playing in a rigged casino. So, so we're, we're complaining about, well, all the games are, are rigged, but it's our decision to be playing in that casino. We could take our money and walk away, go somewhere else, not play in the casino, do something different, and, and be much more productive. I suppose that's kind of an interesting analogy. We're going to be right back. Very special co-host, uh, Josh Tolley, joshtolley.com. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour, the final hour of the Hagman Hagman Report. Uh, our co-host guest tonight, Josh Tully. Uh, look, look him up on his website. In fact, it's linked off of Hagman and Hagman.com. Josh Tully, that's J-O-S-H-T-O-L-L-E-Y.com. And, and check out his books. And, and folks, he's got a radio show. He does two hours during the day and, um, 10 to noon Eastern time. And it's a fantastic show. You've, you, and, and read about Josh Tully. And certainly go to Amazon to purchase his, his fantastic book. I was able to secure a copy at uh, the conference in, in Dallas last, uh, well, several months ago. And, and of course, you know, it, it's, it's one of the best books I've read. You want to go ahead and pronounce it, Josh, because I, I screwed up every time. <laughs> yes, evangelpreneur, like evangelism and then entrepreneurship. I'm going to be working on my numbers tomorrow, but right now we're going to be working on words. Thank you so much for that assist. <laughs> All right. But you, you, apparently you've spoken to the hearts, and I want to I want to thank the people who have sent emails as well about uh, the sound issues. We, uh, uh, Josh, kindly uh, uh, switched uh, venues or methods, and hopefully we've got that taken care of. But so many people responding positively to what you what you were saying and cannot wait to hear tomorrow about you know actually being proactive as you described but but bringing it back to what you said and, and it kind of struck me too it kind of it kind of was a slap in, in in the in the butt or upside the head in a way when you say you know we, we a lot of times we blame conspiracies for our own lack of well as an excuse for what we don't do and you're right. When when you sit down and really think about it, you're right. Because what have I done aside from yet my you know fought my lips and, and be a keyboard warrior? What have I done to advance the world in which I want to live to create that that, that world? And boy, crickets. So you're right. Well, thank you for that, and and I'm glad that it's touching the hearts of the people. And one of the things we have to realize is that we're all guilty of it. It's what we were raised in. It was what we were stewed in. It's kind of like we were marinated in complacency. But it's odd that the rest of the world, they actually do do real protests. They actually do revolt. They actually do something. And yet here we are, the nation that was founded on that, the nation that they're getting the example from, and like you said, crickets. And it's it's interesting, too, to point out that everybody wants something else. Everybody wants a different life. Everybody. I have spoken to famous actors who wanted to be baseball players. And then I've talked to baseball players who wanted to be uh, rock musicians. So everybody wants something else. And I totally get that and I appreciate it. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know doing something on Facebook and Twitter obviously we do them they can find both of us on those venues that's not my point it, it wasn't to criticize but we do have to get away from this idea that for some reason I can't live a life that I'm happy with because of some global elite I have talked to so many people who have moved out of the country thinking oh well we gotta go because the, the, the America's gonna fall it's gonna crash one, you don't necessarily know that's a bad thing. Two, did it change anything? Did it change anything? What if 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 you move to Costa Rica, are you still getting a divorce from your wife? Why? I thought uh, the reason your life wasn't going the way it was supposed to go was because uh, because of America and the New World Order. 
So we really do have to do those gut checks, and it hurts a little bit. I totally understand that it's hurt. it hurts. One of the things that I usually start a seminar out with when I teach a seminar is, folks, this is going to hurt. You're going to hate it. You're going to get that feeling in your stomach. You're going to yell at the radio. You're going to throw the book, whatever it happens to be. And I had a pastor who read Evangelpreneur, and he said, Josh, you warned us in the introduction that it's going to make us mad. And I did literally throw the book. I threw it across the room because it was conviction. But I picked it back up because once you know, now you have to do something with it. And the the great thing is, is it's never too late, ever. God is a God who loves late starters, man. He didn't say, okay, Sarah, uh, at, at 22, we're going to have you give birth. No, he said, ha, 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 watch what I can do. And I think to a large extent, American Christians, American believers have given up on thinking, wait a second, if God's with us, who can be against us? And we've we've succumbed to the fear. So what? Well, folks, I, I've I've read the end of the book. Guess what? We win. So live, live. Yeah, I get asked all the time. Well, Josh, are are you gonna leave? Are are you gonna run away from America? And the reality is, at this point in my life, no, no, I don't have any children. I'm not married. And there's this part of me that loves the fight. And to be honest, as a believer, if this thing does go down, it's actually my job to run in and save as many people as we can before the guillotine drops or whatever it happens to be. But if if you have like seven kids and a wife, as long as it fits your purpose, but think about this for a minute, folks. You are afraid of something that hasn't happened. Now, I could totally argue that martial law is already in place. And I would get you to believe me because you know what? It's true. When you can't collect rainwater in 17 states, when you need a passport to leave eight of them, when you can't teach your children what you want to teach them, when you can't give food to your neighbor, you are in a police state. You are in a de facto martial law. Does that exist right now? Absolutely. It absolutely does. But let me paint you a picture. Let's say you were living in Syria, and you were an Assyrian. An Assyrian, with an A in front of it, Assyrian, that's Nineveh. That, 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 those are the people from Nineveh. When you read your Bible, that's who it's talking about. Now, these are believers, and they're Christians. And when the ISIS radicals come up to them, and they say, are you a believer in Muhammad as his prophet, you know, whatever, they have the guts to say no. And then when they say, if you don't accept Islam, we're going to kill your children, guess what? They still say no. And yet here we are in America, and we're, we're getting our, our panties in a twist over, uh, well, Josh, uh, did you know they, they took down my comment on your post that was a tweet of a, a repost on Facebook? Oh, censure! This is crazy. Folks, would you be strong enough then to lose your head? I mean, if, if, if you're really going to succumb to fear, you have to identify what you're actually afraid of. 
And what's happening, Doug, I think, what's happening is more things are happening more frequently. I remember I was 12 years old, and I was listening to talk radio. 12, right? What kind of nerd kid was I? But I was listening to talk radio back when I was 12, and every once in a while you heard a conspiracy theory. But they were few and far between. And then I got in my 20s, and they became a little bit more prevalent, you know, the the Bill Clinton thing and you know, the Federal Reserve. I started learning about that. And, of course, it wasn't new at the time, but I started learning about it. But actions of the New World Order were still kind of few and far between. Like, between Vietnam and NAFTA, we had a good 30-year run. But now what's happening is these actions are happening faster and faster and faster. Every week on your show, I'm sure, my show, every week we are covering an action that's actually happening. And I think what's happening for the listener is it's freaking us out, man. We are going back crap crazy over the fact that these things are, in fact, getting faster. But in reality, what should be happening is we should say, hey, wait a second. Didn't there, uh, wasn't there a guy that said in the end times things were going to speed up? Wasn't there a guy that said in the end times you're going to see this, 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 and this happen? So if you're sitting out there and you're a believer and you're seeing what's happening, there should be part of you that's scared, but there should be part of you that's a little excited too. It's kind of like a roller coaster. You are scared when you're in line, but you still paid to be there, didn't you? So you paid your $100 in order to go get scared. And as it's going click, 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 click up that track, you're starting to lose your marbles, man. You're like, oh, man, I can't look, I can't look. But you still know the joy that's about to come. And I guess my my message right now is, man, don't fear. Fear not. Yes, it is getting crazy. Yes, there is a new world order. Yes, all the things you were afraid of are probably true. But so what? That should actually give you more reason to take the take a breath today and tell your wife how beautiful she is. It should be more reason for you to raise men as sons as opposed to raising boys that turn 18 and then go out of your house. As a matter of fact, if we really look at that, half of all graduates from college this year are going to move back in. So it's not as if people are moving out anyway. But because well, of that, because of that, because we've lost perspective of what's important, we've lost the ability to gain freedom. And I would argue, to a certain extent, that is part of the reason why we're not getting God's blessing. Even if you think about the people who forgot God in a sense, right? The 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 Hebrew slaves in Egypt, right? Well, we're kind of the same way. We kind of forgot God. No no distinction there or no difference there. When you look at the Hebrew slaves, we love to picture it as some sort of Charlton Heston movie where they were slave slaves, like chain around the necks, whip them slaves. But in reality, if you study uh, Genesis and Exodus in context, what you realize is the slaves were actually paying the government 35% of their time and 35% of their labor. That's what constituted slavery. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's that's exactly where we are. That's right. But here's the big distinction. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that 
Pharaoh was alarmed and taken back because the people who were living in Goshen, they multiplied into great numbers and so did their flocks. That's the difference. They were in slavery, but yet they still put a priority on the important things. Einstein said the important thing is to make sure the important thing is the important thing. Well, take that and compare it to today. Today, only one in five adults is married. Today, 48.5% of women 15 to 45 have zero children. Today, we don't have careers and crafts that we give our life to. The average career lasts less than four years. Today, we don't move with a group of people. We're not tribal. Instead, we, we dive into our social media so much so that on an average day, the average American checks their smartphone more than 250 times. So when we look at the difference, it's not oppression. Oppression's always existed. It's always going to exist until Yeshua comes back. That's just the way it is. The difference and the real change maker is us, our hearts. Where are our priorities? What are we trying to do? And that's why, and I, I, I really don't self-promote. If you notice, you know, hour and a half into this, I haven't even mentioned my own book. But that's no, why I wrote Evangelpreneur. Because I, I started thinking, wait a second. Every movement of freedom, every movement, is not based on information. I understand that there's an info war going on out there. I totally get it, and I'm not opposed to it. But information without strategy does us no good. Amen. If I'm on a if I'm on a valley or if I'm on a hill over here and across from me I have the information that there's a, a general of an opposing army over there and I don't have a strategy to use said information then the only thing I really know is how I'm about to die. It's the ability to take that information and and use it as strategy and that's what the Hebrew word for knowledge actually means. When God says my people die from a lack of knowledge that word is not knowledge like we think of knowledge. It's not raw data. He's not saying my people die from a lack of raw data. What he's saying is my people die from the lack of being able to apply the data using knowledge. So if we were to properly translate that, it would be my people die from the lack of knowing how to use their knowledge. Well, bam, slap us in the face because that's exactly where we're at. We have never had more information than right now. We have the entirety of man's collective knowledge in our pockets through our, through our smartphones. Yet we have never been dumber than stumps. So, and, and what's happening? My people are dying from a lack of knowledge. So with Evangelpreneur, that's basically the premise. The premise is saying, okay, well, what do we do about it? And every people group has to be able to sustain themselves. And we've done a show on employment before, so I won't really dig too down that rabbit hole. But just suffice it to say that every people group needs to sustain themselves. And that's why, going back to the Hebrew slaves in Egypt, that's why God said, Take it with you. God didn't say leave the gold, leave the herds, leave the gems, leave the furniture. No. What did he say instead? Take it, baby. All of it. You're going to have favor with the Egyptians. They're going to give this stuff to you. Take it. 
Where were the where were the humble believers saying, "Well, money's not that important, you know. It's not about money, you know." <laughs> well, God just told him to take it all. What are you talking about? Because he knew when they got to where they were going to get, they were going to have to set up an economy again. Same thing is true with Abraham. He didn't just take him out of the land he was in. He took him out and what? His flocks prospered. He grew in tremendous wealth. Now, I am not a prosperity gospel guy. I'm not saying, you know, name it, claim it, you can be a bazillionaire. That's not the point. The point is, the Bible tells us that it is God that gives us the power to create wealth. But you still have to create it. He gives you the power to do it. And we love to, to read that and say, well, that means he has the power to give it to me. No, that's not what he said. He said he's given you the power to create it. Which means we still have to do something. And when you know that a people group only becomes free when they harness the power of free enterprise, the next common objection I get is somebody comes up to me and says, well, Josh, the Father will provide. Yes, absolutely, amen. Totally agree. But just like a sparrow, right? He provides for the sparrow. Jesus uses that as an example. He provides for the sparrow, but notice how he doesn't magically make the berries appear in the sparrow's belly. Notice how he provided for the sparrow, but the sparrow still has to go out and get it. And we now live in a generation that doesn't want to do that, Doug. We live in a generation that says, well, I'm 18, somebody give me a job. Or if I don't have a job, somebody give me money for staying home. Or if I can't do that, somebody, somebody, somebody. And we are turning to government as God and saying, government, please provide. And when there's not enough jobs, do we think to ourselves, okay, well, then I'll just make one? Nope. Instead, we say, who can we elect to send to government and have them create more jobs for me? Well, folks, why would you ever expect God to bless this? It is contrary to what he's telling us to do. And again, it has nothing to do with the amount. Nowhere are you ever going to hear me say, oh, well, you have to become a billionaire with all the bling, baby. That's not it at all. I would rather have you, as a self-employed entrepreneur, making 50 grand a year, than a corporate lawyer making 200 grand a year, selling your soul for somebody else. Because just like I said, folks, we have to take some responsibility for our bad marriages. Think about this. The national average for a married couple to spend time together is only 19 minutes. That's it. So you're telling me that is in that what God wants you to do is to go away from your spouse, go work someplace else, so you can spend 19 minutes of time together a day? I'm sorry, but if, if that's what you're thinking, you got to sell crazy someplace else. I'm not buying it. We have deluded ourselves into thinking, well, this is what God wants from me. This is what God... No, it's not. It is not. See, God said all things will work to the glory of God. Which means even if you do something that he didn't want you to do, he's still going to get the glory out of it. But we have taken that and we've run with it. We say things like, well, I'm going to complain about the New World Order all day 
and I'm going to complain about not having enough, but heaven forbid I actually try to do something else. If God wants me to, he would make it happen. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's not how any of that works. I love that. So, but that's what we do. We say, oh, well, if God wants it to happen, he'll make it happen. Or worse yet, we say, well, I know, I know, God doesn't want me to get divorced, but, you know, I'm working all these hours. What else can I do? And yeah. God gave me this job anyway. God gave it to me. He wants me to be here. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's not how God works. That'd be like saying, and I put this in the book, that'd be like saying God wants you to murder somebody. Let's say you murder somebody and you go to prison. And in prison, you become part of a prison ministry and become saved. Do you get to say, yep, totally true. God wanted me to murder somebody, so I went to prison and get saved. You liar. He did not. He's going to use the bad situation to his glory. But that's not what he wanted you to do. But we have so many Christians saying, oh, well, it was a miracle from God that I got this job. The guy was almost leaving. He was in his car. I said, is it too late to apply? I applied. He hired me on the spot. See, God wants me here. No. <laughs> God used it as a safety net. What he wanted you to do was start a business with your three brother-in-laws, and you didn't do it, and he knew you were going to starve to death, so he made the guy in the parking lot stick around a little bit, so even in a worst-case situation, he can still help you. But that's not what he wanted you to do. And what really irritates me is we know the damage that employment does. We see it. High divorce rates. Suicide now outpaces traffic fatalities for cause of death. We have teenage drug use and pregnancy higher in homes where both parents are employed. Are yeah. you really going to try to tell me that's what God wants? I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But then we say, well, if I start a business, then that's greedy. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. That's not how greed works. But but to kind of wrap this back up, that's where all of it starts. No people group can get free without free enterprise. Free enterprise has always been and will always be the fuel for freedom. So if all we're talking about and listening to is giants over here, Illuminati over there, UFOs over here, poisonous water over there, all this sort of stuff that I cover, you cover, everybody enjoys listening to it. I mean, let's just be honest. It's almost like fear porn. Right. But if, if we're just going to look at it and we don't have a plan that's step number one, figuring out what's important to us, step number two, how do we use entrepreneurship to advance it, then in reality we're just watching ourselves die slowly. Sadly, that's very true. And, folks, I think you can see why uh, when and I remember this moment in time so clearly um, at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas, Texas, uh, Joe and I were moderating a panel on which uh, um, Josh Tully was, was part of. And a question came to him, and, and uh, you know, I, I felt like I had a duck. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Okay, he, it was one of the most profound, um, answers, uh, about 
basically what we're talking about here right now. And, and it spoke to the hearts of, of everybody in the, the, in attendance there. And, and I sense today that what you're saying is speaking to the hearts of many because, you know what, it's easier, like you said before, it's easier to make excuses or it's easier to, to, to pervert the perception, this is what God wants for me. If not, I mean, if he didn't, then, you know, I wouldn't be here in this position. Wow. I mean, I get that. I mean, I, I, I get that perversion, and, and I don't like it. And, and I and I do blame some of where we're at for the. I don't. I don't know. What would you say the the uh, advocating uh, of that thinking? I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if 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 you think about where we are, right? This didn't just happen overnight. Right. If if we go back to 1920. We see that most, well, let's go back another decade. Let's go to 1910. Most people were not only saying that they were believers just because, but they were actually believers. They were going to church. They had self-respect. See, the Illuminati, the New World Order, they didn't take that away from you. Go back and look at um, World Series pictures from 1929, right? The economy is in total shambles. But if, if you look at those old pictures of Yankee Stadium, you are going to see every man has a, a tie and a hat on. You can even go, and I'm serious about this, look at old pictures of the ghetto areas of New York. Oh, yeah. Every, every kid has a hat and a collared shirt on. Yep. And I'm not saying, folks, that you know it takes a colored shirt. That's not my point. My point was that they had a self-worth. They were not waiting for somebody to tell them that they were good or awesome. Or No, there was just this common expectation, expectation of decency. There was a time where the bad guys even knew what they were doing was bad, and they didn't blame law enforcement if they got caught. They knew what they were doing was bad. So well, sure. today the bad guy gets caught, and they blame the law or something. Well, I mean, how dare you shoot me for breaking into your house? I'm going to sue you now. How dare you shoot me? Uh-huh. Well, if that happened, if that happened 50 years ago, the bad guy would be like, yeah, my bad, I broke into your house, I'm sorry, I deserve to get shot. So there was this, there's this disconnect from where we used to be that has to come back. We have to start holding ourselves to a standard. Are you calling your wife your wife, or are you calling her your old lady? Boy, the I Illuminati didn't yeah. make you do that. That's right. Are you calling her your princess, or are you calling her your ball and chain? The Illuminati didn't make you do that. Are you telling your kids, oh, you're stupid, you know, you're not going to amount to nothing, ha, ha, ha. The Illuminati didn't make you do that. That's you, genius. And that's the stuff we have to fix first. Because if we can't fix that stuff, there is no way on this green earth that we could take on the Illuminati for real. I mean, it's kind of like when you go into the military, right? The military doesn't say, oh, come as you are, and we're just going to give you a gun and run that way really fast. 
No. <laughs> they, they take you through a process where they say, okay, these are our core values. This is how we operate. This is what's important to us. This is why we're going to do what we're going to do. And then this is how we do it. And then once internally everything's taken care of and you're trained up, then you are sent out to go fight. And I don't want to get into, well, Josh, we shouldn't be fighting. That's not it. Pick any army. Right. It was just an example. But what we're doing instead is we're saying, oh, yeah, I can totally have my own life totally in shambles, but I'm ready to fight the New World Order. No, you're not. No, you're not. And that's where we have to get, Doug. And I hope that's really what what we see in the news. That's what it's going to compel us to do. You know, I had a, an interesting guy on the show today. He was part of a motorcycle club, an MC, a real one, where you have to prospect and the whole deal, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason these things are successful is because they have a culture. They have a standard. They have a process to be involved. Well, for most of us in today's world, we want something for nothing. We want it on the cheap. We don't want to hold ourselves accountable. And it's interesting, and not only did I have the guy on today, but I had a guy on from the Hells Angels. And the guy from the Hells Angels... I was asking him about how he creates unity and brotherhood because, holy cow, getting liberty lovers, freedom lovers, truthers, or Christians, getting any of those people together, it's like herding cats. But yet this guy has the Hell's Angels, and they are tighter than glue, man. And they're tight this tight with chapters around the world now. And I said, man, how do you do this? How do you... <laughs> Why is it that you guys are so good at creating a culture creating a system when the people who are supposed to be good at it they can't get this to work with you know two matches and a flashlight and he said well first you have to earn it you, nobody just expects to show up at a Hells Angel clubhouse and say okay I want to join here's my 50 bucks let's go there has to be a level of self-sacrifice and those two words self-sacrifice are taboo in this country that that what you I have to sacrifice no I don't have enough what are you talking about sacrifice well the Bible says there's no greater love than one who will lay down his life for another or your brother depending on how you translate it sorry he says then then once you're willing to sacrifice once you're willing to prove to us that you really want this there's a standard that we hold you to and he said, you know, you, you believers, you Christians, you got this all wrong. I mean, you guys, you guys are stabbing each other in the back. You're talking about each other on each other's shows. You won't appear with each other at certain appearances because you didn't agree with what that guy said. Look, acting like a bunch of five-year-old girls, not understanding that the objective is more important than your ego or your personal opinion on how you interpret something. And right. I said, wow, that's dead on true. Yep. Guilty as charged if you go to church. Yep. And he said, then, we also hold people accountable. You don't just get to leave and start your own group because you disagreed with the pastor this week. Or he talked about something that I think is occultish, and I, I'm going to leave. No, 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 no. That's not how this pony runs. He said, let me tell you something. In the Hell's Angels, you know that guy is honest with his brothers. Otherwise, he'd be dead. 
You know he doesn't steal from his brothers or he'd be dead. There's a system of real accountability, which is another word that is taboo in today's society. So I, I guess my point, and I'm kind of going down some philosophical runway for some reason. I don't know what's what's the necessarily deal here. so. No, I, I think it's necessary because these, in, Josh, we've had questions and and issues. We've talked about these issues and, and these things over the last couple of weeks. So you're hitting some important subjects. Didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Hell's Angels, indeed. The infrastructure, and, and by the way, and that has caused me to say to our audience i mean i have as an investigator when i walked into the walls of attica and sat down with it with to interview an inmate there i knew what i was facing i mean i had the file i knew what kind of guy this person you know what kind of guy this was not a nice guy but but you know what i couldn't say the same thing about maybe going into a a church and and sitting down at, at the boardroom level and and as an example, okay, because sometimes, and I don't want to sound spiteful or mean or anything like that, but a lot of times we're our own worst enemies. We're not, I mean, a lot of times the the, the acrimony within within the groups, within Christians, group of Christians, it's horrible. And you're right, you know, I mean, if you do well, something yeah. wrong, you know, I mean, it, 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 you're skewered. I mean, well. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and and in this this culture of instant gratification, and I, I guess what's getting to me is, you know, after spending a day doing my show and then doing doing another show, it's just like ah, everybody's complaining, but nobody wants to do anything, and it's it's like everybody's ready and willing to tell the world about Hillary Clinton, right? But then you ask them, have you started a business yet? No. Then why are you even talking? Like and 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 I I know that sounds rude and mean and it's not necessarily the case for every individual. I'm not saying every individual needs to start a business. I'm talking to a large swath of people. But the the point that I'm trying to make is we're not ready. We're not nearly ready. It, it's kind of like in um that movie 300, right? When that guy who was deformed wants to join the ranks. And Leonidas has to tell him, I'm sorry, you're not ready. You cannot do this. If you can't hold a shield up, it's not going to be effective. The passion is not enough to make this work. Well, everybody listening to this is passionate about not wanting the New World Order to take over. Everybody listening to this is passionate about not wanting conspiracy theories to prevail. But... And I'm throwing myself in. I'm there, too. We're right. not ready. We're not ready to fight that. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect and, you know, somebody's going to say, well, look at the farmers, Josh. They fought the revolution and they weren't ready. Actually, they were. Not because they were better marksmen or better sailors in the Navy, but because they had their priorities straight. It was the priorities, and this is why this might seem philosophical, but it's actually real meat. The reason why the Founding Fathers were successful is not because they had better guns, it's not because they had better ships, it's because they had better priorities. England was fighting for riches. America was fighting for her life. And it is such a contrast. 
Well, most of us are fighting for riches that are actually being provided to us. I mean, let's just be honest. The poor in this country have two cell phones, two cars, and three TVs. That's right. They were fighting for something beyond material. If if you adjust for inflation, Benjamin Franklin was actually a billionaire. This was one rich boy. So if you think about it, why would he want to leave England? He did pretty well under the crown. He became one of the richest ponies in the race. Why lift a finger? Just live a life of luxury. But there was something more important. His priorities were straight, saying, hey, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. God core country, to paraphrase the Marines. These things have to be first. And if they're not, it doesn't matter what else is in the equation. It doesn't matter the money. Take all my money. If we don't got freedom, we don't have anything. Yet so many of us today will gripe and, and yell about Hillary Clinton. Oh, Hillary, look at what she's done. Oh my goodness, Josh, the vote's rigged. Oh my goodness, the FBI is compromised. But, given the chance to get a government job with a government pension, oh, i got to take this job. It's a good job. Stop it! Stop it! That is a two-headed snake. We have to say, okay, enough is enough. That's it, period. How can we develop a culture? See, when you, when you run into a hell's angel, you know a hell's angel. When you run into a blood or a crip, you know a blood or a crip. When you want to run into a Muslim, you know a Muslim. When you run into a Hasidic Jew, you know a Hasidic Jew. What are you part of? If I was walking down the mall, could I tell you that, or could I tell that you were different from the other people around you? Are, are, are you one of these people who are saying we need to fight the New World Order, but you're buying your nine-year-old a bikini to wear at the beach this summer? I'm sorry. You're not ready. And I know that hurts. But let, let's just use the bikini as a perfect example of how far we have slidden. When the bikini was invented, the guy who invented it had to, invent, uh, had to hire whores, like real whores, hookers, prostitutes to model the thing because not a decent woman would model it now you have mom and dads taking their kids to Walmart, Sears, JCPenney's nine years old well honey let's get you a bikini don't tell me about the new world order if you're buying a bikini for a nine year old don't tell me about Hillary Clinton if you think that's okay because we're not there yet and I know, I know, well, well, Josh, do you want to be a prude? Well, let's dispel a, dispel a myth here real quick. Married Christians have the most satisfying sex life in America. They don't tell you that on TV, do they? Women who dress modestly have more uh, satisfaction, wink, wink, than those that don't and than those who are promiscuous. So do I want you to have wild kinky, nasty, awesome sex with your wife? Absolutely. Get married. Do it. But that's not what we're teaching, is it? Even in Christian homes, we're teaching, well, you know, you're going to date a while, and, and you're going to, you know, oh, you're living with a boy? That's okay. Keep God first, though. <laughs> you're not ready. You're not ready to fight the New World Order. 
You're not ready to, to fight for freedom. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the, the Stargate is. It doesn't matter where the skeleton of a giant is. If you are not taking care of what you are supposed to take care of inside your own heart, nothing else matters. Now what's wow. interesting about that is God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Isn't it interesting how we're seeking these other things, we're not getting them, and we don't get the kingdom principles? And, uh, you know, when I teach on this in seminars, people say, you know, oh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, as if it's somehow some sort of ethereal thing that we can't comprehend. We know what the kingdom of God is. The, king, the kingdom of God is made up of his system, just like any kingdom. You know, you have the laws of the, the kingdom. It is made up of the values that the kingdom values. And it's made up of the people that are part of the kingdom. So when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, well, we know it's doing kingdom things in kingdom ways. Well, guess what? A quality marriage is a kingdom thing. Look at other religions and how they treat their wives. Look at even the secular, atheistic, humanistic society and how they treat their wives. A quality marriage is absolutely a Christian kingdom thing. Oh, it's uh, how they operate? Well, let's look at that. Why do you think? Why do you think some of the most prosperous people in our nation's history, until we gave up these things, were devout Bible believers? Because it's a kingdom principle. He wasn't lying when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But the problem is, Doug, we're not seeking anything. We're not. We're not seeking anything. We wake up, go to work, come home, wake up, go to work, come home, wake up, go to work. Oh, 4th of July, get the day off. Wake home, you know, and over and over and over and over and over we go. And then we Did go I read to bed my Bible? thinking... Did I read my Bible? I, I, no, I, 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 read, I read a passage. I read like a, a scripture a day. Come on now. You know what? You know who else knew the Bible really well? The devil. Uh, yeah, yeah. When when people, well, I read the Bible. Okay, so do atheists. Matter of fact, statistically, atheists know the Bible better than Christians do anyway. Statistically, sixty-three percent of all Christians have never read the Bible. But even if you even if you've read it, the Bible tells you to be doers of the word. So if you've read the Bible, you've read that sentence. So either a you're ignoring the sentence, or b you're lying to me when you read it. Oops. So we have to get back to this reality. We have to get back to this reality that says, are we actually doing it? That's right. And I, I think I think that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to our faith life, too. A lot of us are Christians on, on Sunday from 9 till about 9.35. And that's it. But what was really interesting... I was at the Hear the Watchman conference, right? And I believe in keeping the Sabbath. Now, I don't want to get into an argument of if it was Sunday, if it was Saturday, or if it's now every day because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. That's not the point. Matter of fact, that last one's not true either. But it doesn't matter to the story. Okay, so just put put that aside. 
But I keep the Sabbath, which means I don't sell, buy, and trade. And I had this lady come up to my my table at Hear the Watchman, and she broke into tears. She literally broke into tears. I'm like, lady, what are you crying for? And she said, it is amazing to see somebody actually honor God. And I thought, holy Hannah, how how <laughs> off the shelf odd is it that even at a Christian conference, even at a Christian event, that keeping the Bible seems weird? How far have we fallen that doing something that shouldn't be praiseworthy, I mean, it just should be something that we do. That's right. Move somebody to tears. But again, well, I read the Bible. I've read the, you know, like you said, I, I, I know this scripture. I know that scripture. Great. Do you do that scripture or do you just know how to repeat it? Because if, if you're just going to repeat scripture, that sounds an awful lot like Satan in the wilderness. That's right. So you have to be careful there, too. You, you know, my brother, and I'm proud to call you my brother. I mean, I, folks, this is why. Um, I, I stepped aside. I mean, you got to step aside when you've got this intellect, this inspiration, this. Uh, and I'm not blowing smoke at all. Uh, you know, uh, this is not not false flattery at all. This is just when you've got this level of commitment by a Christian, and and you could tell, you could tell the genuine. I mean, Josh, you're you're you are the genuine article. Um, having met you in person, seen you operate, watch your presentations in person. And also watch your YouTube uh, channel. Uh, you've got my sincere admiration, and, and and I'll tell you something. Really, leaving tonight, there's no excuse for any one of us. I don't believe there's there's no excuse for any one of us not to act um, pro proactively instead of just flopping our gums up about we know all the problems. We have to. We have to do something ourselves, and tomorrow we're going to be talking about that. Hopefully, you'll still agree to join me tomorrow night for eight to ten, if that's okay. Oh, absolutely! Okay now that we've seemingly got this this audio thing figured out, okay. I'm I'm good to go. Yeah, I mean, people, and I just again, uh, and I think I told you this during the break, but uh, uh, I've got another two, I don't know, two pages, so that that's probably thirty emails uh, of just saying I can't wait until Josh comes back on tomorrow you know please talk about what we need to do as Christians what the right thing to do I mean just on and on and on and Josh for for the people who are listening to this you're going to be at here the Watchman conference on September 30th just to be clear um that yes. that's September 30th October 1st and 2nd and that's in Knoxville Tennessee you can go to here the watchman.com uh and, and for for ticket information but you're I mean man you're worth the price of admission. I got to tell you. I mean, <laughs> um, well, thank you, my friend. You know, and, and your and folks, please visit his website, Josh Tully, and also um, subscribe to his YouTube channel. Look at the videos. The video that you were talking about, uh, the devil himself trembles at these bikers want in. <laughs> I'm going to watch that later, uh, but you've got some great stuff on here. Thank you so much for all of your teachings and. Uh, Thank you for being such a such a kind-hearted uh, guy and, and agreeing to come back tomorrow. And thanks for doing the heavy lifting tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, brother, anytime. I think I think what you and Joe do is just such a service. And I cannot tell you how many people come up to me and brag about you guys. 
It's it's just amazing. It, and you know, it's one of those things. You know, if if they were bragging about like, oh well, I was listening to to Rush, and you know, he has such a great show, I'd be like, okay, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when they come up to you and they say, oh man, I heard this great story on on uh, on the Hagman and Hagman, or, or Doug was talking about this, or Joe was talking about that, you kind of just smile with this sense of pride because, like you said. I get the honor of calling you guys friends, and it's really? it, it is an honor to meet you guys and what you're doing. And I just want to take a quick moment and say, folks, support the sponsors of their show. This stuff is insanely expensive. I mean, you're talking some of the equipment I have in my studio, $900 microphone, for goodness sakes, and people love to think, oh, it's just free. Let's just do this for free. <laughs> Support their sponsors so the so the sponsors continue to support them. It is it's about time we stop losing this battle to the mainstream media. You want to know why the mainstream media is so powerful? Because people buy the products of the sponsors. If you want alternative media to get powerful, then start buying the products of the sponsors and let those sponsors know I'm buying this because I heard Joe talk about it or Doug mention it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and the, the same goes with you. We need to support you. Your book, Evangelpreneur. That did, did, did I do okay with that? Evangelpreneur. Oh yeah, that was great. Uh, actually, good right. job. I think I've I think I've mastered the alphabet at least for tonight. <laughs> and enough uh, Dayquil and Nyquil and Sudafed. Anyway, um, but but that book really changed my outlook on doing what we do as an enterprise. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I had g- I gave that copy to my neighbor I, who I really I like a lot, and he's. Uh, He's a little bit younger than I am, and he's thinking about retiring. And I said, "No, you need to you need to start a business." And I, I give him your book, and he's reading it right now. So, oops, sorry about that. Anyway, uh, great book. So, folks, Amazon dot com, of course, Josh Tolley, uh, his book, Evangelpreneur. Please, it, you know what a what a great work. But uh, all right, brother. Until tomorrow, God bless. Um, where we close it out. All right, man. Wow, folks! Well, what a great, uh, what a great co-host, huh? That's why, that's why I feigned illness, just because. Did you hear that message tonight? Um, I'm kidding, of course, but uh, no. I mean, the message tonight was so powerful, and and let me just say this: he's got a two-hour. He puts everything into his programs during the day. I mean, everything. You you watch the production, the content, the information. Those two hours. Just go ahead, go to joshtully.com and, and go to the YouTube, well, YouTube Josh Tully, and, and watch. I'm not singing his praises, I just singing his praises. But you compare that information, actionable intelligence and information, you compare that to, we'll say, a uh, a political, well, uh, Rush Limbaugh or, or Sean Hannity. There's no comparison, and especially in the Christian world. I'm so proud to, to, to really know him, and, and we got a chance to talk uh, behind the scenes a little bit in, in Dallas. And I'm so proud of the fact that uh, he's going to be in, in Knoxville with Pastor Langford, and uh, uh, it's just so many. What, what a great lineup uh, that you know he's going to be with uh, in, in Knoxville. It's going to be a great time. So I, I hope everyone gets the chance to to go to Knoxville and, and just just sell the place out, man. But Josh Tully is is just a, a really a great guy. Tomorrow night he's going to be. My co-host from 8 to 10 as Joe recovers. And thanks, folks, for saying a prayer for Joe. Um, again, he's doing well. Got an update a little bit ago. Doing well. Hurts, of course. I guess when, you know, somebody cuts you open, I guess that, it does hurt. 
Um, and for those just tuning in, no, Joe didn't get stabbed. He had surgery today. He'll be back the, what next week. And then later this week, not tomorrow but Friday, uh, I confirmed it with Coach Dave Dodmeyer. He's going to be in studio in this tuberculosis uh, factory here that we got brewing, this Petri dish. <laughs> just kidding. He's going to be with us for the entire three hours on Friday. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I do want to say thank you to each and every one of you who, who have tuned in tonight. And um, thank you. Just thank you. You know, there's nothing more that I can say. And, you know, times are, are, times are dire. But didn't we need to hear that? From from Josh, I think we need it too. And tomorrow night, hey, bring invite a friend, or tell someone else about the show for tomorrow night because he's going to give you. Normally, you pay a lot of money for this information. This is coming for free of charge. And I just want to say thank you to Josh Tully, folks. Don't forget, if you are a business owner, we have a brand new sponsor. If you if you if you're a business owner and are you hiring, do you know where to post? The, the your job to find the best candidate for that job, do you know? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. No, Sir Rebob. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to over 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, with a single click if you want the if you really want to find the perfect person. You need to post your job to all the top job sites. You find candidates in any city, any industry, any place nationwide. Just post once and watch qualified candidates roll in the ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And trust me, I used it. It's easy to use. No juggling emails or calls to the office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, hire them. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Go to Hagman and Hagman. Click on the link. There it is. Until tomorrow night. God bless you. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.